1: So put on your tiara
0: or your evil crown
1: and join us on our adventure.
0: This is Tara and Ryan's princess diaries. Chim, chim tree
1: listeners.
0: Hello. Hello. We are back and we have a fantastic episode. If you haven't guessed it, it is the original, the one and only Mary Poppins. Uh, Besides sleeping beauty. This is my favorite Disney movie.
1: Uh, for some reason, you said "Sleepy Beauty." My brain went "Beauty and the Beast." And I was like, Be- "What? Really?" Then I was yeah. I was so like,
0: I've I've been really excited for this one. I'm really glad we added it to the list. I think it earns a place on our list, even though um, it is not an animated feature, uh, but it is such an important film.
1: Well, it's not fully animated. Yes. And I actually part of the reason I wanted to put it on here was because of its. Big step forwards in animation and and the and the and the effects and live action and animation mm-hmm. together. Yeah, yeah. I think it definitely deserves to be here. I think that's a subsection of what we're doing because we also will be doing Who Framed Roger Rabbit and en- mm, Enchanted true. and other ones that kind of yeah. meld them together. But I think this is the first big stepping stone.
0: Yeah, super exciting. So I guess we'll get into it. It was 1964,
1: and it the year was 1964. Yes.
0: Uh, it got a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes as wow. it should. And uh, well, it, it's
1: their biggest hit.
0: It's a huge movie and I uh, confession listeners, I've not seen Mary Poppins Returns when it was advertised. I had no desire to watch the trailers. I had no desire for it to be remade. I know it is not a remake. It is a continuation, I believe, of the story. Yeah. It's a sequel, but I had no desire to watch it at all. So now that we are redoing this podcast, I will give it a chance at some point. But I love this well, movie. Well, you'll give it a
1: chance when we do it next year. It's on our list. Yeah. yeah oh, okay. it's on the official it's list. It's on the official Oh, list. I yes, didn't realize yes.
0: that. So yes, I will definitely give it a chance, but um, I've been pretty adamant about not being interested in watching it up to this point.
1: We could talk more about the next one later, but yeah. I pushed to watch it because I saw a clip from it and I went, well, this seems charming. So. I am
0: excited that Dick Van Dyke is in the new one.
1: Yes. And there is actual like animation in that one as well. And I think mm. it's hand drawn. I oh, could cool. be wrong, but we'll have to find out when we get yeah,
0: there. Yeah, we'll find out when we get there. That's the
1: future today.
0: Yes. Presently, we're in 1964, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. And it is in the turn of the century London, a magical nanny employs music and adventure to help two neglected children become closer to their father.
1: Now, it's always fun, typically around this time, to go through the top three movies of the time, but this is the top movie of 1964. Three? Four. Four. 1965
0: Four, yes. was the awards. Yes. So, yeah.
1: but this is the top, not the top grossing movie, is what I mean. Oh, it is. According to, to, to Wikipedia, the top three were Mary, Mary Poppins, followed by My Fair Lady, followed by Goldfinger. <laughs> wow, that's he's a... the man, the man with the, the midas, midas
0: touch. touch. All right, we've done a it.
1: Spider's
0: touch. Uh, that's a pretty impressive list, a pretty yes. impressive three. And we should mention here, it was nominated for how many, 13?
1: 13 Academy Awards. 13 Academy
0: Awards Academy at one five, and the five it won was Best Actress in a Leading Role, and that was Julie Andrews, Best Film Editing, Best Effects, Special Visual Effects, so both of those were one category, Best Music Original Song, which was Chim Chim Tree, and then Best Music Original Score. So it won those five, but it was nominated for 13 in total. And one of those was Best Picture.
1: Mm-hmm. So I think the best way to approach this, because there's so much about as this movie, like making of and and delightful scenes and things. I think for the the opening, we should stay away from the stuff that actually happens in the movie, because this has a very interesting history. And let's maybe cover that a little more. Yeah.
0: So um, for listeners... My facts are a little bit different on where I found them. I read Julie Andrews, um, one of her autobiographies, Homework, a memoir of my Hollywood years. So she's got a memoir from before her Hollywood years as well, I Mm -hmm. believe. But this one, she talks extensively about Mary Poppins. And so there's a lot of things that I thought, uh, well, there's no better source than... Julie Andrews, to get a lot of this information. And so I wanted to share some of those. And so I'm going to start with how she got the role and how it came to be.
1: Can I back up a little bit? Because I've got a little bit about how Walt decided to make this movie.
0: Sure, that's fine.
1: Um, it, this was a movie that he had been trying to get the rights for for about 20 years. Mm. He started back in the 19... Late, 1930s, maybe early 40s, was it? Yeah, so it came out in like 38 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And the book that is based on by by P. L. Travers. P. L. Travers, yes. Uh, they refer to as Pamela a lot, and it's funny watching the documentary because you could tell they're they're trying to speak very nicely of Pamela, but they're all like. She was a lot. She I was a whole lot to do,
0: info do with. On, from Julie Andrews' side of it, too. Right,
1: because Walt kept coming to her and saying, I'd love to buy this book from you, and she wouldn't do it. She said she didn't care about the money. She wanted to make sure. She'd seen some other movies, and she thought they didn't handle them as well as the books, so mm. she didn't see a reason to sell the rights to him. So for 20 years, he went back and forth. And then eventually he came to the uh the sherman brothers the sherman brothers he kind of asked to write not only just to write the songs but also to kind of write it because he said here read this book and they read the book and apparently they underlined uh in crayon they showed it in red crayon they underlined six chapters and said these should be the chapter's that are the story Mm -hmm. and Walt pulled out his book and held it out to them and it had the same six chapters. Oh,
0: that's really cool.
1: So they kind of were in charge of putting it together for like two years and they were like trying to, you know, and this is
0: before they had the rights to it.
1: Well, Walt said he had the rights to it.
0: Oh, he told them because I've got the rights
1: to him, which he did, but it was, it was an, he didn't have the rights. He had an option.
0: Also, I well, so what Julie Andrews said is he had the rights to the book, mm-hmm. but he did not have the rights to Mary Shepard's illustrations. So they changed kind of the time period of when it took right. place because he didn't have the rights to the illustrations, well, so, is what she mentioned, but I don't know.
1: At this point, he has yeah. an option, but he's telling everybody, we've got this movie, let's do this movie. Okay. So Sherman Brothers put in all this time to do the movie, and then they bring in uh, Pamela, as, as, as the Sherman Bros refer to him, And they're like, okay, well, now you need to sell her on it. And they go, what do you mean sell her on it? He goes, oh, we can't make the movie if she doesn't like it. So go get them, guys. And they were like, they had like a week. And they're like, oh, great. Oh, wow.
0: Wow. <laughs> Yeah, so that that plays into it not having the illustration mm-hmm. piece of it, and I'll talk about that too.
1: And she had a lot of like requests, and and she's like, it has to be this. And they've got in the documentary I'll put up, they've got recordings of her going, no, 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 not like like they they recorded her sessions, and then they've got pictures of her sessions, which means they brought in animators, and the animators got bored and like drew pictures of Pamela sitting there like with her typewritten notes going through them and stuff, and we'll show all that. But uh, something they didn't really talk a whole lot about, they kind of brushed over, was how she felt about Mary Poppins. So let's hear about uh, the whole deal about her getting the part.
0: Well, I was going to go into what Mary... So uh, I'll talk a little bit about Mary Poppins' first husband, Tony, in a minute, because he also worked a lot Mm -hmm. on this, and it's interesting how they both became a part of the project. But to talk about P.L. Travers and the connection, when things got... Difficult, and it was very clear that PL Travers really didn't want to have any connection with this as they moved forward with the production of it. Both Julie and Tony promised that they would keep in touch during filming. They were aware of the tensions between her and Walt. She originally wanted to control everything, so she wanted to cut songs, she wanted to cut animation. Like, there was a le- going off of what you said. Mm-hmm. And Walt gave her very firm boundaries, and that's when she goes back to England. She finally kind of just throws her hands up and says, I'm done. Like, "Be I, I'm done with this, and throws her hands up. So Julie wrote letters to check in. So she, like, wrote letters back and forth uh, to check in with her. And I don't know how responsive P.L. Travers was getting back to her, but I remember reading somewhere in the book that Julie hoped she liked how she portrayed Mary Poppins. She really, she put a lot into the role and she says, I think that she enjoyed my interpretation of Mm -hmm. it. But, you know, there wasn't a lot of specifics there. But, yeah, it was a very tumultuous situation. And I thought it was interesting that both Julie Andrews and her husband – Tried to make an effort of like building a bridge, I, I guess. I
1: think we're gonna have to watch Saving Mr. Banks or Mrs. Banks, or I don't know exactly what it's called. Because yeah, uh, Saving Mr. Banks. Yes. I think we need to watch Saving Mr. Banks, and then will and probably do a mini-sode on it. Mm, I'd and, love to do that. To do that. So because I think I know that's a very fictionalized and 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 flowery version, flowery of, version of what happened. Of what happened but, but I'd still like to see it yeah. because Emma Thompson is delightful. Yes.
0: So. Uh, how she gets the part is she's finishing out the remaining weeks of her contract for Camelot. So Mm -hmm. at this point she's doing a lot of theater, a lot of Broadway and, uh, Disney came to see the show. So Walt came there's to a, see the show. There's a
1: little bit of a story before then. Okay. Because apparently she, they did a scene from Camelot on the Ed Sullivan show.
0: Oh, and okay. both
1: of the Sherman brothers, who as far as I can tell from everything, just lived together. Yeah. Like saw it and came in and were like, they went to the producer and he goes, before they start talking, they go, did you guys see the Ed Sullivan show last night? And they're like, you saw it too? And they start going, Okay. And they get together and they march to uh, Walt's office and they go, this is who we want. Because previous to that, they were looking at Mary Martin, Betty Davis, mm. Angela Lansbury were all people they're considering. And, they, and these three, I forgot who the other producer was or the other writer, they all went, this is her, this is Mary Poppins, yeah. and went to Walt's office and Walt was like oh okay and so they that's when they booked him
0: yeah so it's really interesting because he's very strong in pursuing her so that makes sense as well so he comes and he sees the show and he offers her the role of Mary Poppins and she shares that she was newly pregnant she's like the only problem is I'm newly pregnant and he goes that's okay we'll wait they waited for her to have her child so I thought that that was really surprising That's interesting and she was Three months. She had – her daughter was three months old when they flew because they went back and forth to England, Mm -hmm. her and her husband a lot, um, and back and forth to L.A. and and New York. Depending on where her career was and his career, he was in sets and costume design, Tony. And so they – with a three-month-old baby, she started this. So she talks about, like, when she's learning all those dance scenes, she's learning step in time, she's learning chim chim Tree. She had given birth three months earlier. So, like, she was, like, trying to get back in shape with this, too. And, like, and and you can't tell at all. And she had a good time. But she definitely was, like, kind of coming back from giving birth.
1: So, two facts I want to get from the documentary. Apparently, on that Camelot thing, he got backstage.
0: I Well, I have that, Yeah, too. that about yeah. him, like, pitching so the whole wrote, movie to her. So yeah. And, well, and she, he, then, as he's pitching the movie and as they're talking about it, he asks what her husband does. Yes. So he meets Tony at the same time he's pitching this to Julie, and he finds out that Tony does sets and costumes, and Walt asks for his portfolio, and he offered them the job designing principal sets and all the costumes for the show. So it was a really cool way that they were both able to work on a project because she talks a lot about in the book about how – they, a lot of times, were separated for months at a time because they were both working on different projects. So right. it's kind of neat that they were working together with this project.
1: So apparently he, and, and this is in the documentary I, I saw, it, and it's a direct quote from Julie Andrews in there. He went backstage. You know how we always talked about how he would get up there and, like, act out the scenes when he was doing animated movies? Mm-hmm. Apparently he pulled, like, the majority of the movie for her. Oh, wow. Like, acted it out, and she's like, we're in this tiny little room, and this man is doing big arms. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um. So I thought that was interesting. Something I kind of want to jump ahead where you were talking about her tra- practicing the, uh, the, the the dance numbers. Mm-hmm. So in the documentary, there's the, like, I, I don't want to say they're a couple because they don't establish as a couple, but it's like a man and a woman. And they're definitely a duo who They're a choreography yes. team
0: because they, I believe they worked with or under Michael Kidd. And Julie also directly worked with him on other projects. She became very close with these yes. two choreographers. Well,
1: they all did, but they, they, they all were. They all like, they talk a lot about her, but they also talk about Dick Van Dyke. Yes. Because Dick Van Dyke had no singing and dancing background. Or mm-hmm. maybe he did a little bit in Bye Bye Birdie or something. Yeah. But he, he was, they were talking about how he was doing all these moves and like, he was like, he jumps and he rolls and he comes out of the roll in the dance number and they're like, and that's things that like regular dancers couldn't do. But he was there like for six months beforehand doing all the choreography and learning them. And it was funny because he said, and then they cut to him and he's like, I didn't have to work out for the role. I just did that. And by the time we were gone, I, was, <laughs> I slimmed down. It was great. Um, Well,
0: another thing with Dick Van Dyke that I wanted to mention that you may have come across, uh, he begged Walt Disney to let him secretly play the bank president. Oh, really? So he desperately, like, he really wanted to play that role and it be a secret, right, that nobody kind of knew it was him. And uh, Walt rather cheekily is how Julie describes it. He rather cheekily made him do a screen test and Dick said he would play it for free. And Walt took him up on that offer and then persuaded him to make a $4,000 donation to Cali Institute of Arts, which Walt recently co-founded. <laughs> so I just found that interesting that Dick Van Dyke felt so passionately and really wanted to do it. And the fact that he was like, I'll do it for free. I just really wanted to play this role. Well, him, I found interesting.
1: Him and Walt apparently got got along like a house on fire like almost immediately because... Walt discovered Dick Van Dyke by reading something, or Dick did an interview where I was kind of like, "Why are you, you know, why aren't you in as many movies?" And he's like, "Well, I think the problem with movies nowadays are there, there, there's this trend towards them becoming like dirt, quote unquote, dirty movies, meaning like more R-rated and more adult mm-hmm. stuff." And he didn't want that. And Walt said, "I agree with that. Bring that man in. I'd like to yeah. have a meeting with him. And then very, he said very quickly after that, he asked me to be uh, Bert in this. Hmm. Now, the other thing Dick Van Dyke talked about in this this documentary I I watched, which I thought was interesting, was – well, not that I thought was interesting, but I agreed with it. He's like, oh, yeah, my my accent is terrible. (laughs) Like, I think that a lot of times – because it's kind of notable how bad his Cockney accent is or how, like, you know, it's it's kind of – I've been watching a lot of – British shows on YouTube lately, and I think every once in a while they make a joke about the Dick Van Dyke accent, Mm -hmm. like, they use it, and it's just nice for me to hear Dick go, oh yeah, I'm sorry, it was bad, I didn't know what I was doing, (laughs) like, he's just flat out like whatever, he goes, I recently read something that was like the top, I'm in the top 20 worst uh, dialecticians uh, in Hollywood, apparently, for this role, so... Well, He's just like shrug. He's like, my bad.
0: Yeah. And going back to Cockney accents, so what I found interesting too, during the supercalifragilisticexpialidocious sequences, there's two things here, um, and I'll tie back to Cockney in a minute. Mm-hmm. Tony, her husband, suggested that Mary might show off by saying it backwards. So that was his idea, and they loved it, and so she did that. But she also voiced one of the Pearlies, one of the women in the band. Oh, I And don't she was it, yeah. really excited to use, to use a Cockney accent for that. So That's uh, so I found that really interesting. And then I wanted to go back to step in time for just a moment. Uh, but during that, the makeup of the chimney soot, she talks about that because it was like a mineral rich clay compound called Fuller Earth. And she had a wart on her thumb that like no matter what she did, she couldn't get rid of it. And she was really <laughs> insecure about it. Like she would hide it or like hold her hand mm-hmm. in a certain way. And she said that while filming several days of Step In Time, it started to shrink and it <laughs> vanished and it never came back. So, that fuller earth makeup, she's like, that's the only thing she can attribute it to.
1: That's amazing. Yeah.
0: So, I thought that that was a really cool insight. This was interesting. Her stand in, Larry Thomas, was also her stand in for Sound of Music. So, her, her stand in, like, st- Larry. Her name was L-A-R-R-I. Oh, it's
1: still a lady, yeah, though. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> imagine standing for Mary you Poppins and it's the same. Yeah, Larry, uh, L-A, Laurie, maybe, maybe Laurie. But but I just think it's funny. I would like, standing for Mary Poppins and this guy smoking a cigarette in her dress is like, just standing there.
0: But, yeah, I thought it was interesting that they used her again for Sound of Music later on, and she talks about, like, working with her very well. But then I wanted to talk about one of the flying sequences. So they saved... Almost all the dangerous flying sequences for the end, which makes sense because if she was to get hurt, then at least they had filmed the majority of the movie. And so she was hanging in the rafters waiting for tech to to get set up and do what they do. And it was taking a while. And she called down to a stage manager because she felt her support wires drop about a foot and she started to feel really unsafe. So she calls down And apparently she could hear it being passed through the length of the studio. Like, Mary needs to get down. Mary needs, like, everybody's, like, passing it from one person to the next. Where the man who was controlling the wires and the counterweights was. He was, like, very far off in the studio. And somebody said, let her down easy, Joe. And then she fell to the stage like a ton of bricks. Like, that was her description. And then it was silent. And you could hear Joe's voice from afar. Is she down yet? (laughs) And apparently she describes it... She said a stream of colorful expletives. She was not happy, but she said she wasn't harmed because of the balance to the counterweights. But she said it was a hard landing and she was really shook after that. So she does talk about like she, you know, most of that was her, not her stand-in. But I did find that interesting. The stand-in was more when they're getting the lighting right, when they're doing things like that. Um, But I found that really interesting.
1: A funny little bit. uh, Apparently the, 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 I forgot, what are the children's names?
0: Michael.
1: I want to say Wendy and Michael, but that's, it's not. That's but it is Peter Michael. Van. So, oh my goodness, that's terrible remember, for me. I couldn't me. either. But it, he. Oh, that's it, gonna the, drive me the nuts. The actor who played him. Hated being up in the raft, like, was scared of heights and didn't like it. So, he's th-
0: Michael, I know that he but... he
1: passed, I think, in his early 20s. Oh, um, so they only, the only the 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 daughter is in the interview, is in the uh interviews I saw, but she was like, Yeah, they, someone gave him a dime once, and so I'll give you a dime if you go up there. And then he needed a dime every time they brought him up. And oh, the way gosh. they filmed that scene where they're all up on the table laughing the thing, is they had to like film it from all these different angles, which meant they had to break go to a new set. Because now it's the side, but it still feels mm. like it's up and do all this stuff. So he's like, so he made a, a hefty side sum. Like, a, a side hustle. side hustle in the time. She's dimes. like, I had a lemonade stand when I was a kid, but I guess this was his way of doing it.
0: <laughs> uh, I want to talk about one of the special effects. I'm saving some of them for the movie, mm-hmm. but the carpet bag, which is the most famous. And it's what I use when I bring a bunch of instruments into an older adult community. I call it my Mary Poppins bag because you never know what I'm going to bring. Uh, and so there was a hole in the table and a bo- and in the bottom of the bag. And then all the items were under the table. So she would just reach in and grab them. Well, and there was a um, space under the table that was then spliced out to put Michael in. Because Michael's under the table. So it right.
1: was like a black. So Michael and and. and- we'll call her Wendy no I'm looking names. it up because okay. it's driving so, me nuts so they're on one stage it. and they're just staring at nothing but they have put the table with them so Michael actually goes under a table there but then they put her she's on in a black box theater and they cut everything out so it's two. so she's like it's almost like a green screen effect yeah
0: she talked about it being a black box yeah you'll,
1: so that they didn't have green screen back so everything's yeah. just a dark black box so they'll you'll see it on the on the video but it's this guy it looks so unmagical with this guy just like pulling up a coat Jane rack. Jane and Michael Ugh, thank that's- you
0: that's drove me nuts um but yeah she talked about that in there and i just found that really interesting Mm -hmm. and all the work that has to go into then putting back the footage of michael under the table too right whereas now all of it is more digital to do that not saying it's not difficult work but it's a different kind of work So i found that interesting so uh i guess we'll save the other ones for last but we have a interesting story and i don't know if you want to tell it or if you want me to tell it
1: um, You go ahead and tell, and I'll just pop in to so, interrupt you at very inopportune moments. <laughs>
0: Julie Andrews played Liza, right?
1: Liza Doolittle, I believe. In My
0: Fair Lady, the lead role of My Fair Lady when it was on Broadway, when it was on stage. And they were casting for the film, and she was not their choice for the film. and I
1: Because she didn't have uh, movie appeal. She hadn't been in any film. Yes,
0: and I believe it was Audrey Hepburn yes. that they cast. and so
1: Which, in the documentary I saw... Julie Andrews could not But She's like, I I was very mad at the time, but Audrey and I became lovely friends. (laughs) Yes,
0: yeah. And she writes about being hurt, um, you know, and and it's hard not to take that personally when you've played the role night after night, Mm -hmm. several performances a day. Like, you live and breathe that role, and then you're not cast in the film version of it, especially because other cast members from the show were in the movie. Yeah. So uh, I totally get where she was coming from with that. But... um, They film the movie, they're at the Golden Globes and she's nominated for Mary Poppins and they're sitting at the Disney table. So it's all the Disney people. It's probably the Sherman Brothers, probably Walt, probably a bunch of people. And uh, Bill Walsh was there who is the director of My Fair Lady because that was also nominated. And they said since she wasn't cast in My Fair Lady – she was able to do Mary Poppins, so isn't that interesting that, Mm -hmm. you know, like, you wouldn't have had the opportunity to do Mary Poppins if you had already agreed to do My Fair Lady, and they joked that she should thank him. And I believe she came up with the joke.
1: She she wins the Golden Globe and she comes up there but and But at she the says, table,
0: I think she comes up with like, oh, I should do that. But she wasn't 100% that she was going to actually do it.
1: So she goes up to the microphone and she says, thanks to, I'd like to give thanks to a man who made a wonderful movie and made this all possible in the first place. Mr. Jack Warner, who yes. was the My Fair Lady producer. And uh, if you watch the video, which is in the documentary, like a woman screams, like scream laughs, is like, yeah. ah! like, and everyone in the place loses it. And including Julie. Including Jack Warner. They cut to him and he's yes. crying. And laughing. Julie
0: mentions that at first it's silence and you can't really hear the silence, but she I'm was. I'm sure to her. Yeah. She was also very proper and very, like, she's very big on etiquette. And I feel like she wasn't sure she was going to say it. She has a wonderful sense of humor. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, she was thinking this is an award show. Is this appropriate to make this joke? And then when she saw he was laughing, she knew, like, she heard everybody laughing. Mm-hmm. But when she saw how hard he was laughing, and you see it in the documentary, then she was like, oh, it's fine. Okay. Bye.
1: And again, like I said earlier, My Fair Lady was number two at the box office that year by $1 million. Like, uh, Mary Poppins made like 32 and My Fair Lady made 31, which was, as we've seen going up, is a lot, a lot of, money, of money. So yes. I'm sure he was like, oh, okay, whatever. You know, yeah. it's not like it really, yeah. it's not, it, it wasn't like she was rubbing salt in a wound or mm-hmm. anything like that. Yeah. Um, so there's something I want to talk about a little bit before we start the movie. And it's, you've said that you like, this is one of your favorites. And we, sometimes when it's just us, we dive right into like, here are the facts about it. Why is this one of your favorites? What do you like about it Oh my it gosh. So, much? so
0: I grew up with this one and I just, I love every song. I'm not going to be able to pick a song. I'm just not like, I can just tell you right now because I love them all. And there's just something about like the imaginative piece of it of like, I don't know there's something about like having somebody encourage you like Mary Poppins is very strict and she can be kind of mean but at the same time she really nurtures their imagination and their creativity which I really love and I have very vivid memories we had um what were they called it was like a van but it was like the back went down at conversion vans is that what they were called it was like a big thing where it was like a van but it had like two chairs with the tv on the floor and you had two chairs here and then the back like the back like laid out and you had like blinds i don't know there's a name for them but it's a type of like mm-hmm. van that's more than a minivan that's more than like it's like yeah, yeah, a yeah. family van and so we took that van to florida from new jersey to visit my grandfather and my brother was I don't even know if he was a year old. He was very young. He was maybe a year old. He was young. I guess he was probably over a year old, but he was still pretty young. And he cried like a lot of the trip because he just didn't want to be in the car seat forever. Mm -hmm. And so he was pretty fussy. And, That's like I watched that on reruns, like singing to him and like being in the back with him. And one of my parents were usually in the back with me. But like Mary Poppins, like I have vivid memories of that for that trip. But I love that movie before then. Like I wore out our tape version of it. So I don't exactly know, like besides that specific memory, like that's just where I remember watching it the most in a short period of time because we were traveling. Um, But I don't know, like, originally why I gravitated to it, but I just, I absolutely love it. And I love, probably about a year ago, and I think it was with your mom.
1: Okay. Last time I saw it. I think I I was in for some of that, yeah.
0: So, and this is one where I can jump in and out. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't feel I have to watch it start to finish because I know it so well, so.
1: Well, I mean, I think it's time. All right. Let's check it out.
0: Okay, listeners, we'll see you on the other side. All right, listeners, we are back, and buckle in, because we have a lot to talk about in a good way.
1: Real real quick, before we start, uh, just to throw the curtain back a little bit, we did watch half of this movie, and then Ryan needed to go to bed, because he was very tired. He That's, had
0: edited it the night before. I, I've uh, been up late the night before The Sword in the Stone episode, so...
1: And so we watched the other half of it later, so if we cover some of the stuff we talked about a little bit in the first one, please excuse us. The, the, in, the first, in the first half, of please excuse us, yes. but...
0: All right, so we'll get started, Uh, but it's still, it holds up for me. I kept saying throughout this whole movie about how impressed I was that everything held up as good as it does, and I think part of that, we were talking, part of that is because they were real effects that they did. A lot of times Mm -hmm. now with digital effects, you know, as technology advances, it's much easier to see what doesn't hold up. But I think with this film, everything that they did, they did it so well and they were kind of the first to do some of these things, right? In this film, or to do it well, maybe I, I don't. I don't know. I don't
1: know in terms of it, they weren't the first to do uh, live action. In fact, Disney had done live action animation before in the past. Oh, okay. But this is just, I think, some of the best incorporation of it. I would, yeah. Like, there's things that you like, like when they're on the the horse and the horses are going down and it's actually digging into the dirt. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more interaction, I think, on a the level. There's. But some of the stuff like the the flying scene when they're on top of the roof with Uncle Albert, on on the ceiling with Uncle Albert, that was a very hard scene to do. Not because it was something super new, but they took it to New Heights where they were were moving from set to set to make it look like they were at different angles.
0: Yeah, and it's still I think it still holds up really well. So we'll dive in here, but the opening credits, it's a painting scene of London. So it's kind of this landscape and you're looking at it. Um, as if you're like a bird's eye view of the view Mm -hmm. of London. And you see this a couple different times in the film. And what I really loved is the opening is instrumentals of every song. It's a medley of all of the songs from the film, and it's all instrumental versions, which I thought was really cool.
1: I think this is what they... Because it used to be you'd watch an old movie and they'd have the overture, which they would play while people were sitting down, Mm -hmm. which would be a long version of all the songs. And I think this is, you know, moving on past that to like, let's do a short one during the opening credits and kind of the evolution of that. Mm
0: And then you see the silhouette of Mary Poppins sitting on a cloud with her umbrella and her carpet bag and she's powdering her face. So before you see a close up of her you see her silhouette on the cloud which you didn't ever remember I seeing. I don't remember this part. And then they zoom in on her sitting on a cloud and she's powdering her face getting ready essentially.
1: I think this is a movie I checked out a lot when it was on and then my mom would watch it was on but I don't think we ever sat down and like rented it and watched Start it. There's to a finish. lot of movies like yeah. that. I don't remember the beginning. I like that she has her her Umbrella. She's patting her nose, and umbrella is like sinking into the cloud. They do a good job of making it seem like that. Because if you don't, if we don't have this scene where we just see her for a second, you don't see her for
0: for the first like twenty
1: five minutes of the movie, yeah, minutes of
0: the film, yeah. Well, no, that's not true. It's not that long, but she doesn't say her name till thirty minutes into the film. That's what it was. But she's
1: also not in it much before then. She's maybe in it maybe five mm, minutes before then, true. but it's a while, yeah. yeah.
0: So uh then you it opens to the one man band Burt and uh oh Dick Van Dyke is delightful in this entire film and his talent just shines through and Ryan had mentioned uh in the documentary that this was the first dancing
1: dancing and singing he wasn't a musical and person
0: to watch or it,
1: actor sorry to watch
0: it with that lens to know that is wild because what he does throughout this film it looks like it comes so natural to him which it obviously did cuz he continues to do it but That's what
1: he says in the documentary he's like I've been singing and dancing ever since It
0: was really amazing but By the was,
1: way Brand New set of teeth in the documentary as far as I can tell Oh yeah <laughs> <He just laughs> uh
0: but it opens up with one man band Bert in the park and uh he's singing a little bit of Jolly Holiday but sometimes so with Burt sometimes he's singing the songs but changing the words so some of the famous songs that we come to know later, Bert is singing in a different Mm way. Uh, So I noticed that. And then the melody of Chim Chim Chiri, but he starts singing about the townspeople. So he's using the melody of Chim Chim Charee, but all the townspeople are gathered around him. And he's like, saying something nice about each one of them or something about their personality. And then he gets to dear miss Persimmons and notices the (laughs) wind changing. And so he never says anything about her. Miss
1: Persimmons gets a weird haiku.
0: Yeah. He just stops and he gets very somber.
1: Can I talk about this for a sec? Because there's a couple sets. So seeing that the other night and then seeing the moment later where he's, he's talking about the land of the chimney sweeps, Mm -hmm. he has such a good way of like drawing you in because there's this movie in Mary Poppins in general is a very specific type of magical where she's not dangerous, but she's it's she's kind of otherworldly and I think the way he sings and talks about the magic in this movie a couple of times just draw like they zoom in on him and it and the way his mm-hmm. voice is like you like I, I imagine both of us just like leaning forward like yes like yeah. I, he does such a he good hypnotizes job of it. You a yes bit. very good mm-hmm. yes.
0: And so that's kind of what happens here. He gets really somber, and then all of a sudden he snaps out of it, and then it's the step in time melody, <laughs> and he's going wild with the one man band. He's got the drum on his back and everything, and then he's asking everyone to give him money, and like no one gives him money. And these are townspeople.
1: Uh, Andrews. Yeah, owner, Andrews owner does, but like Andrew the dog.
0: These are townspeople that he sees every day because yes. we notice he has many different jobs throughout this film to make money and I'm like no one is tipping him so I just I was kind of sad for him with that uh but then the other thing is Tara
1: does a really good job of when she sees a uh street artist that is doing something she appreciates she's always like give me a dollar do you have a dollar yeah And that's not her like taking my money it's because I'm typically carrying her wallet in my pocket or something yeah usually
0: uh but then he breaks this is called breaking the fourth wall right when he talks to the camera so Bert I think is Bert the only one to do that or does Mary Poppins do it Bert might be the only character that breaks the fourth if wall. If Mary
1: Poppins does, I don't remember. She might turn and wink at the camera. Yeah, or something, but I don't think she, she
0: addresses it like Bert does. And he talks right to the camera and says, "Oh, you're looking for Seventeen Cherry Tree Lane. Let me take you there."
1: <laughs> and then he's walking with it's like, uh, yeah, boom, with the drum. Uh, yeah, boom.
0: it's so it's good. Just
1: playing as he walks. It's such
0: a good bit. And then we also
1: talked about that painting he had on his bass drum. That yes, we which that before. I've so never noticed.
0: Yeah, and that's um, you know, that'll go to later when we see his chalk painting. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, but that this is when we meet the admiral.
1: Yes, admiral boom.
0: As he's walking towards Seventeen Cherry Tree Lane, and we find out that the admiral is very punctual. And at eight and six, eight a.m. and six p.m., uh, he shoots off the cannon.
1: And I feel and the
0: house is like a boat.
1: The top of the house looks like yeah, yeah. But, And I feel like the admiral is this weird character that's there to show that like even without Mary Poppins, this is kind of a s- strange version of London. Yes. Cause like there's parts later we meet Uncle Albert and he's floating and everyone yeah. seems okay so like this stuff happens without her but she's kind of unlocking the magic of London around so like this yeah. stuff exists I love Admiral Boom yeah like, he's I, great. I love his little buddy who like is his that,
0: skipper I guess who
1: like also is as crazy as Admiral Boom and is just like when he's like oh double shot of powder and he's like oh yes Admiral yeah and, like, he's yeah, just yeah excited. he just his goes little, along his with smey. it
0: But yes, but he he does say that there's a storm brewing Mm -hmm. at 17. Because that's the other thing. Admiral Broom kind of advances the story. Like every time you check in with him, you're finding out something. And so there's fighting in the house with the cooks, and you have Katie Nanny. Yeah, Katie Nanny. Katie Nanna. Katie Nana. Yes. And uh, she's leaving. So essentially you find out that the kids have been running away from her. They've been hiding from her. And Mrs. Banks is singing for suffrage for women. So you find out Mrs. Banks is a little aloof. And she's kind of, you know, she's wrapped up in her world. And she is fighting and protesting for women to vote. And so uh, well, what, she's kind of focused on that.
1: But what's funny about that is through the rest of the movie, she very much plays the typical, uh, the part of a typical house mother. And I find that interesting. that At home, she's like, "Oh, you're in charge." What's her father? George? George, you're in charge, George, and blah blah blah. But then she's like, "Oh, I I have I'm sorry I can't stay. I have to go sing to the women in prison."
0: But she also says that you know, in this part of the scene, I think when they really when George is on his way home, she's like, "Oh, put away the sashes. You know he doesn't care for this." Like she just yeah. So it's a she does a balancing act of that. Um, And so Katie Nana is quitting as she's singing about suffrage for women and uh, that's what she says. The cause infuriates Mr. Banks. Yes, I wrote down some quotes and, that I found interesting with I, different characters. I feel
1: like Mr. Banks isn't necessarily against women voting. I just think she thinks it's improper and it's not the way it is. And I think that's yeah. what you learn about him through this. He's very he's
0: just... proper. He's very follow the rules by yeah. the book. And so then you know, as all this is going on, and Katie Nana says she's leaving, then you hear posts, everyone, and this is when we find <laughs> out.
1: It's... It's What is it, 8 and 6? Yeah, so this is 6 p.m. Oh, this, this is at night, this is, yes. Yeah, this
0: is in the evening. And so the cannon from Admiral Boom. And so then it cuts to Mr. Banks walking home. So well, as all of this is happening.
1: I love the... I'm sorry, I just want to back up. The, yeah. the, the running gag of every time it goes off and everybody... It's just...
0: Everybody has doing... a post. The piano slides. The picture frames all move. The you've gotta hold the lamp because it's like on this yeah. precarious stand. But that nothing moves. ever
1: breaks because they're so they know where to catch things. Yes. It's, it's just yeah. fun.
0: So they all have a post on what they go and, and kind of hold on to or, or stop in the case of the piano. But then it cuts to Mr. Banks walking home and uh Admiral is trying to let him know like Things are not good at your home and Mr. Banks is kind of in his own world and he's kind of chipper coming home from work and he sees Katie Nana coming out to the carriage and he helps her with her bags Mm -hmm. and he says, "What a pretty hat? Like he's being like so nice to her and Winifred is the mother's name. The mother says at one point to Katie Nana, oh, George is just starting to take a liking to you. And so you can see this here. He's like complimenting her and he's helping her and he's kind of singing, um, you know, this is the life I lead, and he, he's very like k- kind of upbeat.
1: And I, I love his song because it's it's kind of like a, not a march, but just very bump, 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 bump. It's very yeah. Like, it's very regimented, like yeah. his life,
0: and it's very distinct compared to the rest of the songs too. Yes. Uh, and so he's singing it, and this is how you're getting to know George's personality. And the whole time, Winifred is trying to tell him the children are missing. And um, he mentions here, 19 eight, 1910, the age of men. So I wrote different quotes like that down as I heard them. So once he realizes, he puts together, as he finally hears Winifred talking about the children missing, he's like, oh, Katie Nana quit. Like, I was seeing her off. Like, he realizes yeah. what happened. And so he's like, oh, we have to call the police. And he's on the phone with the police, and the doorbell rings. And, uh... He's like, oh, that was so fast. Thank you. Uh, And he opens it up and it's the constable. And I love the constable says, your valuables have gone astray. And it's the children. And the constable's trying to be so positive here to George. And George is just dismissing the constable. The constable's kind of getting a little too involved in the, like, how George should handle the situation of the kids going missing. And so there's a little bit there. And then the cook is mumbling. And, you know...
1: the cook who I just have looked up, her name is Mrs. Brill.
0: They never refer to her as Mrs. Brill. Or if Brill, they do, But I'm glad that... It's that
1: deep English accent and we probably just missed maybe, it. Maybe, but yeah. usually
0: it's Cook and cook Ellen. It, yeah, they call Ellen her is Ellen the, is the other housemaid. And so they you start finding out from Cook and Ellen that there have been six nannies in the last four months. And... um The mother here, Winifred, feels like she's failed because she's hired all the nannies. Mm -hmm. And so George says, I'm going to hire the next one. Like, I'm going to take over. I'm the man. I'm the father. Like, I'm the head of the household. And so he's like, take this down right at once. And so she is his dictation, basically. Mm -hmm. She's writing the advertisement for a nanny. And so he sings everything he wants a nanny to be, very strict, very proper, you know, teaching the children about the way of life. And then Jane and Michael come downstairs, and they wrote their own advertisement.
1: Oh, sorry, I'm sorry. Can we back up for just one second? I want to talk yeah. about The Constable. Oh yeah, go right ahead. I do ahead. want to bring up that is that actor is Arthur Treacher. This is a little this a little Ryan aside. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 Arthur Treacher, who was the uh, namesake for Arthur Treacher's Fish and Chips, a fast food restaurant, a fast food seafood restaurant chain. At the peak of its popularity in the late 1970s, it had over 800. Re- Stores as of November 2019, there are believed to be only seven standalone locations remaining. Two in New Jersey. All right. One of which is located inside the Molly Pitcher Service Area of the New Jersey Turnpike. I know that <laughs> rest stop
0: because it's named Molly Pitcher, but so that's so. The funny. next time
1: we're there, we'll have to have ourselves a little Arthur Treacher fish I have and to chips hop on
0: the Turnpike. So Jane and Michael write their own advertisement, and I think it's so sweet because George tries to interrupt them, and they're like, "Well, you said you wanted our help, yeah. Like, so we're trying to help you." And they say, want it uh, for two adorable children. And George says, well, that's debatable. <laughs> it's like, oh, there's a couple comments like that. And um, the mom is so proud here. Like, Winifred has such a proud moment of her children, like, coming down and speaking their minds.
1: She keeps hushing, George.
0: Yeah, she keeps trying to be like, just let them finish what they're doing.
1: It's, it's interesting because in the documentary, the the, Sir, the Sherman brothers talk a lot about how they wanted it to be that the, that the parents were too busy. They weren't necessarily bad people, but they were just—they were not- caught up in their own yeah. world. And yeah, and I think I think that's more of what we see from Winifred. Is just she's off doing, and not that she she's shouldn't so focused be doing, on the cause. Yeah, that, she just—but yeah. I think she's a very, very loving mother. Yeah,
0: she is attentive to them, and she's always very kind to them. And that you see it in this moment here. The
1: parents aren't the villains. Yeah. Yeah. So.
0: And so he winds up ripping up their advertisement. He's like, this is kind of nonsense, and he rips it up. And we as the viewers see that the pieces float up the chimney. So the pieces of ripped paper float up.
1: I also want to point out that this song was the weirdly the one that was stuck in my head for like two nights. I started yeah. going to bed, I was like, no, sweet, s- give us treats. Da, 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 da. And then the like, end
0: is Jane and Michael, Michael Banks.
1: Banks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but so it floats up the chimney and then it, it cuts. The next day we see the Admiral and it's a change in the wind. So mm-hmm. the Admiral saying there's a change in the wind and ghastly looking crew because <laughs> we look around the corner and there is this line around the block all of all these, these nannies, nannies just, looking very drab just and
1: mean just, mugging. yeah, <laughs>
0: responding to the advertisement and they're lined up. For the position of nanny and they're lined up at 8 a.m. But they're all early because we find out Admiral Boom hasn't done his 8 a.m. cannon yet. And so the kids look out and the wind picks up. And the kids are like really... They're, they're really confused because they're like, this isn't what we asked for at all. Like, why are these people coming? Mm-hmm. And as the wind picks up, all the nannies blow away. And it's so funny because each of them individually have their own little bit on how they fly well, away.
1: There's that one woman who just looks like she just puts her arms and legs out and like just kind of flows. Yes. Like, looks yeah. like legitimately the with what she's wearing, with a strong enough wind, that could actually have taken yes. her that way.
0: And then as we see that happening, you also see Mary Poppins floating in. And I wanted to talk a little bit about here. It was a very active choice that Julie Andrews made to have her feet in what I believe is first position uh, if you're a dancer. And she wanted her feet to be very rigid like that because she noticed in the illustrations Mary's feet were kind of like floppy. And so that <laughs> was an active choice and it's very distinct and i think it's very characteristic of her and a lot of times when she's standing in a position she's in that first position with her feet
1: can we you just remind us to talk about the book because one of the things i did between uh starting this thing and and, and starting the, the the first half and then finishing the movie mm-hmm. is i watched a a documentary i'll put up called uh, the secret life of mary poppins that talked a lot kind of it was Put out the same time as Saving Mrs. Banks, but it was a real more examination of what happened. And I'm interested. In, I think we definitely need to see Saving Mrs. Mr. Banks. Yeah, because this is so interesting because it talks about P.L. Travers and some of the interesting stuff in her life. The fact that she that they believe she might have been bisexual, mm. that she uh, tried she she was. She was from Australia, but she didn't like to tell anybody that. Her father was a banker who failed and died of alcoholism. Oh, interesting. Um, And then when she moved here, there was a time where she was trying to adopt a child. And her first attempt at adopting a child. This is a crazy story. Her first attempt at adopting a child was she just wanted to adopt her maid's child. She said, I'll just adopt you. It'll, you'll be a better standing. And yeah. the maid was like, no, you can't have my child. Yeah. And so she went, okay, you're fired. Oh, wow. And so then she went and they had twins, I don't want to say up for sale, but to, to adopt. And she took them and she had an astrologist come out and map out their astrology signs and things mm-hmm. like that. And find the one that matched her the best. And she she <gasps> She adopted. broke the twins up? Yes. Now cut to when that boy is 17. His name was like Camellius. Uh, he had a very strange name. Um. But he went to a pub and he met someone there who seemed very much like him. Who ac- He accidentally met someone there. I'm giving finger quotes because yeah. the person he met met to m- meet him there. And he started explaining to him all these things he liked and he realized they looked like and it was his twin brother. And he oh, revealed to him that he was adopted and he was a twin and he was from a f- Irish family that had like this big literary history going backwards. So he was going back. So he was like, went to his mother and was like, you never told me all this. I have this whole history. And then like, Things went down. She was like, you know, she was upset because she never yeah. wanted to tell him. And then things went downhill from there. And he, like, drank and got in prison oh, and all this gosh. stuff. It was a very – she's got a very tragic story. Yeah. But the big thing I want to talk about, just for a sec, is is going to the whole Saving Mr. Banks story she, where, you know, we talked a little bit about that last time about her coming in. So the end of that story is – so the Sherman brothers are, are trying to t- t- tell her everything. I've, I'll put this up and they've got – recordings because she insisted she goes i want all these recorded because i want t- to know that you listen to me mm-hmm. and so that's all on tape and you can hear the sherman brothers being like trying to like uh butter her up and stuff yeah so it got to the point where uh she had an option for it and walt disney just said no stop coming in don't listen to her like that's the end of the story is she, yeah. her doing that and they made the thing anyway she wasn't invited to the premiere
0: yeah and i think that she showed why- up
1: Oh interesting. She found found a way to get tickets, showed up and there's this whole thing where the interviewer's is going around going, "Mary Poppins, what a great show. Oh, here's the thing." And they find her and he goes, "Oh, we've this is the author of Mary like, but that wasn't the plan." So he's like, "So yeah. tell us what tell us this and this and this." And she goes, "Oh, well that would be giving away our secrets and if you know anything about Mary Poppins, you know she never gives away her secrets." And that's something she always said about her. Yeah. And then she saw the movie and then hated it absolutely hated it, which I don't think is how they end Saving Mr. Banks. Yeah. So that's, I just wanted to say that real quick. That's the quick version of the P.L. Travers story. I'll put the whole thing up. It's an interesting documentary. Mm -hmm. She wrote a big letter to like the newspaper or or somebody that was like, this is not what I wanted. This is, she's not pretty. She's not funny. It's too lighthearted because she wanted it to be very like, kind of morose and scary. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but
0: yeah. And that's, I think, why Mary and Tony, Mary, I keep saying Mary and <sighs> Julie. So Julie Andrews and her husband, Tony, I think, wanted to stay in touch with her is because I think they they wanted to do right by her. Right. So I think they were trying to I think they were trying to make a piece that never mm-hmm. happened. Yeah. Essentially, they were trying to be like, well, she doesn't agree with all of this, but it is still her work. Mm-hmm. So we want her to stay connected. And I think it was one of those things where it was like, I don't know that she ever wrote back to them, but they continued to just kind of keep her up to date.
1: In the in the documentary, they're interviewing friends of hers and they're all like, oh, she was so witty and smart and blah, blah, blah. And she would go, hmm, was she easy to have as a friend? They're like, oh no, she was not. <laughs> like they, they couldn't, it was, yeah. she was, she was a very particular person and she used to say things like, like they said, oh, finally she revealed to us that she was Australian. And it was like this big, Personal. she just kept to herself so much. Whenever we would ask her questions about, where did you come up with this for Mary Poppins? If she didn't want to tell us, she just goes, oh, it just occurred to me, and that's all I'll say about that. Yeah. Like, she was a very strange person. Interesting.
0: Uh, Mary, when she floats in, she kind of just brushes in. She kind of just, like, pops in, and everybody else is gone, and she's waiting at the door right at 8, and everybody holds their posts because George is like, I'm nothing if not punctual. We're not going to start early. So then the Admiral... 8 a.m. happens, they all go to their posts, you see that whole bit again. And then he tells Ellen, now you can tell them, you can send them in one at a time. And so Ellen opens the door and is very surprised that everyone's gone except for Mary. And she's like, you can come in one at a time. And then she does this look because Mary's the only one there.
1: He never knows that, yeah. He yeah, never he never out.
0: knows that there's not a line out there. And so uh, he asks for references and she's like, oh, I never give references. And he says, oh, we'll have to see about that. And he's kind of laughing, like, You're not going to, I'm not going to hire you. And so she reads off the advertisement and it's the children's list that's kind of been taped back together. Mm -hmm. And the actor plays, the actor playing the father is really brilliant and amazing. But it's so good here because he's so confused. He's like, but I don't, I ripped it up. And he like goes over to the fireplace, miming ripping it up. It's
1: crazy that he's the third best actor in this because yes. he's astounding. He's
0: so good, and he's like, "But I, I ripped it up, and Something I don't Tom understand." Let me look it up. Um, and so he's very confused, and so he starts saying, "You know, we'll hire you," and 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 she starts saying, "Oh, we have to talk about my wages," and basically she turns it on him to where she is telling him how it's going to be instead of the other way around because she's like, "We'll do a one week trial period." And I need the second Tuesday of the month off. And she's like, quite right, and then leaves. And she goes up the stairs, and she floats up the banister. So that's the first time you kind of see, um, besides her floating down from the sky, the first time you see kind of Mary Poppins' magic. And uh, she goes into the nursery and the nursery is a mess and the children show her her room and this is where she unpacks, which is one of the very famous scenes. We were talking about this Mm -hmm. earlier about the carpet bag and how that was done. But this is what she pulls out of the bag. She pulls out a mirror that hangs on the wall, a lamp, a hat stand, a plant, her shoes, her hand mirror, her coat, and then she rummages around for the tape measure and finally finds it.
1: I don't think there's any special effects magic when she's rummaging around. I think that's just good acting to make yeah, it seem. Yeah, probably. Uh, but, I, but I love it. I love her. Because she's very proper. And they have
0: and, sound effects of her rummaging yes. through. Because yeah. that's
1: the, the most, like, not put together perfectly we see Mary Poppins. Yeah, just, she's a little my? huffy, like, trying to find it's it. good. I think Julie Andrews does such a good job with this character, obviously. Oh, yeah. Obviously, Fantastic.
0: Uh, and so the tape measure, which is another very famous moment. There are so many famous and iconic moments in this film. But when she measures Michael, he's extremely stubborn and suspicious.
1: That's something specifically P.L. Travers said she wanted in the movie because oh, that okay. was. I guess her mother had a tape measure or something, or she she had like an aunt who came in and helped them. And I think that's where Mary Poppins came from, and it reminded her of that. Mm.
0: And then uh, Jane is laughing at Michael's measurement, and then Jane is measured at rather inclined to giggle and doesn't put things away so you find out that maybe jane's the messy one out of Mm -hmm. the two of them and then they're like well what are you you know they ask mary poppins and so michael holds it at her feet and she holds it up to her and then that's where it is practically mary poppins it says her name and then says practically perfect in every way Mm -hmm. uh and so then that's where the first song uh spoonful of sugar comes in and she talks about how you can turn cleaning into playing a game and you know And snap, the job's a game is kind of the intro to the song. And so the idea is you snap your fingers to clean up. So Jane gets it right away and is snapping and, you know, all the toys are going into their box and clothes are being folded and being put away. And uh, Michael this whole time is having like a hard time snapping. And the other thing I wanted to mention here is this is where the bird, the animatronic bird, and I had a couple notes for it. So let me find Disney it. Disney
1: had been working on animatronics for Disneyland. hmm And so this was kind of their first use of them in the movies.
0: Yes. And so uh, she talks about it in the biography I read. But this Mechanical Robin, it was one of Walt Disney's first audio animatronics. Mm-hmm. And so it was attached by a ring on her hand, which you never really see. But that's how it sat on her hand. And they
1: run the cables, like, up her Yeah, she said
0: the wires to manipulate the bird were up her sleeve, down her back, and then they went out to the operator. So.
1: Which I feel like they do stuff like that all the time for special effects. There's so many weird special effects they do now where they're drawing paint on your, like, dots on your face. Yeah. Or, like... The uh, Mark Ruffalo who did the Hulk had to wear that huge mm-hmm. thing, so people had an eye line and all that yeah. stuff. And they figured out how to do that, but back then the idea of okay, so you're going to act, but we're going to run these wires. Yeah, you're going to you. have all
0: this distraction that yeah. you have to pretend isn't there. And then uh, the other interesting thing about this song is she also provided the whistling for the bird. Apparently, they hired a professional bird whistler, and then a professional bird. That's what whistler. She said it might have just been a professional whistler. I don't know, but I think it was. She bird was whistler. taking
1: jobs from the the american bird whistling industry and i won't have it okay
0: i think what happened was because mary poppins whistles in the song as well as the bird and i think when they heard her whistle i think they then were just like oh you should just do the bird whistle is i think what happened there but the other really uh cool thing that happens in this whole scene that we loved is when she sings in the mirror to her reflection and her reflection sings the harmony so it's It's her singing both parts, but it's a really cool part.
1: I also love the part because she seems like put out that her reflection is outdoing her. her. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And so then the cleaning goes crazy. It kind of gets a little chaotic and everything's going really fast. And Michael's on a wagon and it's going in and out of the closet Mm -hmm. and all of this. And she kind of puts it to a halt. And then uh, they go for their outing in the park.
1: Now, I'd like to start this thread in our discussion because we talked a lot during this about what is Mary Poppins' past how does she know people has she been here before so this is something we're going to keep bringing up during this but i wanted to kind of put that in your mind cuz we did talk about it a lot during the during the film because she goes to she sees they see bert after this correct yes
0: and she knows everybody she knows uh she knows bert and she knows uncle albert and you know a lot of the phrases that people say to her and she says to them all the
1: chimney sweeps know her yeah
0: and so My opinion is more the literal of, you know, she cares for lots of different children in London. And so she probably takes them on similar experiences, you know, that they they run into Bert in different ways. Because the whole world of Jolly Holiday knows her. Mm -hmm. But I guess that's her world she's created, I guess, is one way to look at that.
1: Yeah, but I think it goes back to the the real world and knowing her. And I think you make a good point of like... The idea of, like, stuffy England is that she could have been at a bunch of these houses and all these magical things are happening. and the, No
0: one's talking about it. They're not knowing it. because, yeah.
1: But, like, people like Bert who are, as he puts out later, he's not in a cage. He's more free. Like, he notices this magical mm-hmm. world around him. Yeah. It's interesting if they'll imply in the sequel that she's done other things or if she's just been gone until the sequel, you know? Yeah.
0: So, uh... Before they get to the park, they sing and they slide down the banister as they're singing Spoonful of Sugar. And Ellen is so happy because she doesn't have to take care of the kids. Essentially, <laughs> whenever the nannies leave, we find out Ellen is the one who has to take care of the kids. So then that's when we see Bert with his chalk drawings. And he says, hello, art lovers. So this is him, again, addressing he's breaking the fourth wall. He's talking to us because mm-hmm. they, they come up as after Bert describes what he's doing. So he says, hello, art lovers. And he's singing "Chim Chim Cheree," and he all of a sudden we see a silhouette. So he's got a picture frame of chalk, and he's like, "Hold on, I know that silhouette," and he sketches it out, and it's Mary <laughs> Poppins. And so then they talk about an outing with chalk, and uh, he's like, "We could go on the Thames," and he does that like yeah. thing which was I love that whole bit and then he yeah and then he goes or we could go to the circus and he's on ta, na, 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 na. He, he's like
1: doing the tightrope he said he really enjoyed this role because he got to do a lot of mime specifically I think we mentioned this last time I don't know if I did.
0: You may have said it while we were watching it, too. Yeah, so So it
1: was because he got to work a lot with things that weren't there in the kind of black box theater, he got to do a lot of mime, and he Mm -hmm. loved doing it with this character because he said he loved doing it when he started off as an actor.
0: Yeah, and there's so much of that incorporated into this character. So then Jane points out that she really likes the English countryside, Uh, and Bert talks about how there's a carousel just down the road, and then they say, well, there's no road. So then he draws in the road, and he draws in the bridge, and Mary Poppins has no intention of making magic uh, because Bert says, you can, they're like, well, how can you get into the painting? She, and she, he's like, you've got to think, you've got to wink, and double blink, and then jump. And they Which means jump and Tara nothing. could
1: never get into the painting because I Tara can't wink. can't wink, it's guys. It's the best thing I've it's ever seen. It's the
0: great. the worst. Uh, I'm the awkward, the most awkward. But, <laughs> uh, they jump and nothing happens. And so then Bert looks at Mary Poppins to be like, come well,
1: on. I think first she doesn't like she doesn't like being told what to do. She's not a performing monkey. Yeah. But then she, when she sees them do it wrong, she's like, ugh. And then she goes, don't be ridiculous, which makes it sound like... She
0: says, what utter nonsense. Yes. And she says something about it being a spectacle. And then... Uh, and it's
1: not, you're being stupid. It's, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> yes.
0: And then they jump into the painting and they mm-hmm. get small and they jump into the painting. And then we go into... And again, I have so many favorite songs, but Jolly Holiday is so good. It's very good. It's so and, good.
1: And that's when the first time I think we see the kick-up step that mm, Dick that, Van Dyke yeah. and, and, and Julie Andrews do, which was apparently something that the choreographers did as a test, like just to do something. And then Dick Van Dyke and them go, oh, we should do that. And it's not just in Jolly Holiday. It's all over the and movie. And the children
0: do it. Yeah, they start uh, it, doing I it. I think during Chim Chim Tree, maybe, or when, Step Into yeah, something when they're up on the roof.
1: It's when he's bringing them back oh, to their that's house, right, and they're that's just right, kind of walking. Yeah.
0: So in Jolly Holiday, you meet all the animals, and all the animals sing in the song, and I love that part. And then the dancing, the umbrella, and the cane. And you talked about how that there was something specific. The with that.
1: choreographers, when they were doing that scene, she said something. Uh, was, it was a, a, a man and woman couple, and I can't remember their names, but we'll get them up there. You'll we'll, you'll. I see believe
0: them. they worked with Michael Kidd.
1: Yes. Yeah. But she said that she said that she went oh, it'd be so cool if then the the umbrella and the cane danced together a certain way. No, that's impossible. And someone, she didn't say who's heard her and just looked at her and goes, never say something's impossible at Disney. Now we have to do it.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I love that. So then um, this whole scene, you really just have to watch it. But I did try to write down some highlights. When they step on the turtles Mm. to cross the water uh, in her book, She talks about how the turtle in the pond was actually an iron anvil, and it just fit on the size of her foot. So it was like very, it was a very small space for her to step, and they're both just on it with one foot. So I feel like to balance that is kind of
1: tricky. And Dick Van Dyke's acting like he's going to fall. Yeah,
0: exactly. Which probably was partially him (laughs) maybe falling. He didn't have to reach. Yeah. Yeah. But then you meet the next bit, which is the table with the penguins. They sit down to have, like, tea and, you know, raspberry ice. She orders raspberry ice and something else. And the kazoo comes in and all the penguins come in. (laughs) Yeah. You have a kazoo
1: downstairs. We could just do it.
0: I know. We should have brought him up. Uh, so then I love, I used to know all the women's names and I don't anymore, but the rhyme of all the ladies as Dick Van Dyke is like, Oh, there's this lady and this lady and the penguins chime in. And you can see Mary getting like more and more annoyed that they're singing about all these women. It
1: feels like lady from Lady and the Tramp where they're singing about all the dogs. Uh
0: (laughs) And then, and then they say cream of the top is Mary Poppins and there. We stop where they, they stop at the end of it. And then the dance, uh, he throws some salt down on the ground to start tap dancing and he pulls his pants down so he's waddling like a penguin. And uh, the body percussion here and the rhythm with the penguins is so good. And the penguin, like the one at the end of the dance, kisses her on the cheek mm-hmm. and then is all bashful about it. But it's hard to describe the sequence. You really just have to watch it. But it's so
1: good. One thing I want to talk about it, Frank Thomas was the animator. Frank Thomas, we've talked a lot. I can't remember off the top of my head of the other stuff so he did. I think he did. I don't know. We've t- go listen to our old episodes, but he's 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 one of the 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 nine old men. Um, he did this sequence, but apparently they brought him on set to watch them film it. And Dick Van Dyke was apparently very nice with him and asking like what's it going to look like and all this stuff. But he also was miming so he kept doing big arms and legs and every time he did it like in the interview Frank Thomas is like, "Oh, there goes my penguins again. Oh, he kicked <laughs> them again. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> he's like I just thought that was really funny. Because if you've ever seen Frank Thomas, which we'll see, we'll probably do the Frank and Tom, Frank and Ollie uh, documentary, but he is just the most cheerful old man. And he's the one who did... No, he did uh, um, Fauna.
0: Oh, okay. Because
1: he's the one who had the story about the aloof secretary yes, who he yes, based yes. her off of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's just a delightful man, but he's got these funny stories where you can tell he's kind of put upon, but he's just like real cheerful about it. Yeah. Yeah. So.
0: So then we hear carousel music, and they dance, and they fade into the carousel. And Let's uh, talk
1: about these carousel horses for days. That all <laughs>
0: resemble them. The faces on the horses are so good. The way they're painted, they all resemble each character. It's Jane and Michael are already on the carousel, and Bert and Mary
1: the, join them. The Bert horse has the Dick Van Dyke chin. Yes, the it's The Mary so Poppins good. horse has that like pleased-with-itself look.
0: Mm-hmm. And so the carousel horse scene, Julie writes about this in her book as well. And she says that the poles of the horses were attached to tracks on the soundstage ceiling. And so the horses would disconnect from one track and then they would travel to another. So it was like changing rails. And she said it took forever to film because any time that they had to redo something, they'd have to reset all the tracks. And even if they weren't redoing it, but to do those different scenes. So I thought it was really interesting to think about that from a filming standpoint.
1: I'd, and we should talk about this too because I don't think Mary Poppins has a big presence in the parks. I, I think there's a walk around character with this outfit. They were on the great movie ride for a second. I mm. know they've been talking about doing a new Mary Poppins there, thing.
0: There are so many opportunities to do a dark ride, to do, like, there are so many opportunities well, to do a ride. Don't you with think us.
1: doing, like, when it sounds like it was one track moving on to another, and it sounds like it was a nightmare, but this is also 1964. Yeah. And, like, doesn't that sound like a, a ride it to go essentially be on is a, carousel a ride horse? like they
0: designed it I'm sure similar to how yeah. ride tracks right, cause were, were designed. right cuz they were building Disney World yeah. Disneyland around this time. So yeah, I think it's a missed opportunity to not have something something bigger for Mary Poppins in the parks and I don't know if in other countries but I don't think there is if there's stuff in other countries. I don't
1: know if they've talked about doing this or they actually did it. But I think when the new one came out, they made, you can walk through Cherry Cherry Street. What's it Cherry called? Cherry Tree Lane. Cherry Tree Lane. And it's like you can mm. see Admiral Booms thing, yeah. thing like that. But I don't know if that was meant to be built into something bigger to yeah. where they have a ride. I know they've talked about a ride. We'll put it up all on the Facebook page or somewhere. So check it out. But
0: Yeah. And so the horses go off. The carousel and this is where ryan mentioned it earlier the poles of the horses make lines in the dirt in the chalk drawing and so it kind of connects the animated to the live action and i always loved that bit as a child and never really realized why but i just thought it was a neat thing to see um it's almost like a skipping rock the way that it it touches down into the dirt and comes back up and so then um You know, Mary Poppins says something like we're not on a race course as as like they're trying to race one another. And then you see fox hunters. Mm -hmm. And so now they're kind of in this race of fox hunters uh, and chasing the fox. And all the hunters are trying to chase the fox. And Bert goes to help the fox.
1: I feel that there's some sort of classist uh, subtext here with the fox being having a clearly Irish voice and all the English people chasing after him. Yeah. There's something there. I don't know if I'm quite qualified to make the comment, but I'll just put that out there for someone, someone more else educated than me to, yeah. to talk a little bit more about it.
0: So Bert goes to help, and then they go, like, through these bushes, and then they're on an actual racetrack. Mm-hmm. So then they are on a racetrack, and then all of a sudden, Mary and the kids join the race. So Bert's on there first. And Mary, it's so funny, because she's so polite, because as they're in a race, she says to two of the jockeys, may I pass, please? <laughs> and so they like, stop to let her pass, and she winds up winning first place. She's not In a rush, her horse is just kind of gliding along and and goes in front of everyone. And so they're taking pictures and she's given flowers and there's all these interviewers. And they're asking her, you know, what do you have to say? And so she talks about the word supercalifragilisticexpialidocious when you don't have something to say. It's something you can say, essentially.
1: The dance sequence in this song is possibly my favorite i've been thinking about a lot of the part the part where she's like whoa super and then they yes, do like the side by do, side mm-hmm, dancing it's so and good it's really good this is also where you said she's one of the voices she's one of, of the voices the, of
0: the pearlies which is the band which the name of the band which they never say but that's I'm, how she refers to them
1: in the litany of instruments you have downstairs i have yet to see an upright banjo with a ball and yeah. And what the thing he's playing that's just hitting the, that looks like a banjo thing and mm-hmm. then causing the cymbals to go up and down. Is that yeah. a real thing? I,
0: I don't know. I mean, it could be, it's like Burt's one man band. I'm sure people have rigged instruments. So they yeah. can, like I have a foot tambourine that I play while I sing and play guitar. That's a very minimal version mm-hmm. of what these other things we've seen. But I'm sure when you think of street performers, like if they're wanting to get more sound, like that's a way you would do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this whole this is another sequence where you just have to watch it,
1: like, and you've seen it. Yeah, if you, anyone out there hasn't seen Mary Poppins, you need to stop to this, this and just, yeah, go, just watch go watch it. Yeah, just go watch it. Just we'll be here. It's so good. We can wait for you.
0: Yeah. And so, so you're back.
1: Did you like it? I bet you loved yeah, it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> wasn't it delightful? Uh, so then the rainstorm comes, and it's so sad because it kind of takes because them out of this magical world. Because it murders all the
1: people. They're all there, go out of existence. takes them out
0: of the magical world, and it washes away the drawings. They, and they so, get the people
1: out of that scene so they don't have to explain them melting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so then you Bert says he's changing businesses this is hot chestnut weather
1: because uh, as it cools down I think we, we may or may not have talked about this it's hard to remember but uh, this, was a, this was Bert was an amalgam character of a bunch of different characters in the book and I remember them going to Walt Disney and being like well how do we explain that he does all these things and Walt was like why wouldn't he do all these things like yeah. he's trying to make money we'll just make him that's what he does he's just a he jack just of all trades he just changes businesses yeah, yeah when
0: the weather changes and whatnot. And so then it cuts to Michael not wanting to take his medicine. And this is another very famous scene where as she pours out the medicine, they're all different colors. And we find out that they're all different flavors. How
1: did they do that? I don't know. They, is it an in-camera trick? Like they're actually like, in-camera meaning it was like on stage, she was doing something to doing wear. Doing in different It was literally each, different colors yeah, coming Yeah, because out. it's
0: clear. It looks like actual liquid on the spoon. So I, I don't know. I gotta know. find
1: that out because it's one of those things I wondered. I mean, they may have just been like, it could have been animation. They're just coloring it in a Maybe. certain way. I don't, yeah, know. I don't know. If you know, get at us. Send us an email. Yeah, we'd love an Send email. Send us an email. We'd
0: love an email. Uh, but I like that she takes one too. She says people who get their feet wet need to take their medicine. And so when you think of like trying to force a child, not force, but you know what I mean, encourage a child to take, (laughs) encourage a child to take medicine. A lot of times as the adult, you're not taking it with them. Right? So I like the idea that she's like, I also got my feet wet. I also need to take medicine.
1: And you have to deliver a line because I can't roll my R's. I
0: will. Uh, but Oh, I thought I wrote down what flavor they all get. Well, strawberry, Jane gets lime cordial. Lime
1: cordial. Michael gets strawberry. strawberry and
0: and uh, Mary Poppins gets rum punch. <laughs> so good. And then she hiccups after she takes yes, hers. Yes,
1: because she's drinking.
0: <laughs> so the children start asking how long she's going to stay. And uh, she just, you know, tells them to go to sleep. She's kind of, you know, and they're talking about the day they had and she's kind of pretending that the day didn't happen which I thought was interesting I don't know if it's because she doesn't want to address the magical thinking or she doesn't want to she wants them to go to sleep so she's ignoring it so she's not like feeding into them their excitement because she's trying to get them to calm down but she kind of just pretends that it didn't happen tells them to go to sleep and then she sings the song stay awake
1: and Which so, I think it's funny that her lullaby is like, she's very much like that, like, you do what you want, and then it does, you know, it she's does very what much she Reverse psychology. Yes.
0: And so they fall asleep. It's a beautiful lullaby. And then it cuts to the Admiral, and he says, no one's sleeping this morning. There's a double change. And... A,
1: a double, no, it's a double charge. Double
0: charge, He's that's put right. put putting a double charge. Sorry, no one's going to yes. miss this
1: beautiful morning. Yes,
0: that's what it is. And then it cuts to the Mother Winifred, who's asking the cook if she can have the spoiled eggs. For her protest, which I love. And the cook is singing. So we're noticing the change in the household because Mary Poppins is there. The cook and Ellen apparently always fight and they're dancing and singing together and they're getting along. And George is such a grump. Like everyone's so happy and he's annoyed Mm -hmm. because I guess it's not... It's, it's not, not the regular, and it's not the regular
1: routine. It's, it's also, the, it's the difference between civility and actual happiness.
0: Yeah, and I think, too, because it's not the routine he's used to. He's used to them bickering in the morning. Yes. He's used to, so none of that is happening. And so the kids are singing "Super supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, and the cook and Ellen are chiming in singing, and then everybody screams the posts. And so, again, it's time for the morning. Posts. It's time for the morning for the Admiral. And so... Uh, George is kind of huffy, and every time Winifred kind of makes a comment to it, he's like, "I'm not upset. I'm not angry. Yes. I just, you know." He's very matter of fact. And then it cuts to Mary Poppins, and the kids are off to run errands. They're off to get fish and gingerbread, gingerbread. and something else that they say in the house. And now I can't. Well, she's gonna get the
1: piano was. tune.
0: Oh, that's right. Because the, the piano, piano comes yes. up to and he
1: starts playing. He goes. I want this piano tuned. When I sit down on an instrument, I expect it to be working. And she's like, you "And never when if it's like, you piano? never play."
0: And he's like, "But still, yeah. it's the principle of the thing." So that's right. Yeah, one of the things on the list is getting the piano tuned. And so they say hello to the admiral who's washing the windows. I love that they've got like the boat that comes down for them to wash the windows. But that's his how house. they
1: because that's how they do it on like a ship yes. is they lower a lifeboat to where the portholes are. Yeah, and, yeah, it's so
0: good. And so then Andrew the dog comes up and starts barking to Mary Poppins and she just has a conversation with Andrew the dog. At one point... Slow
1: down. I can't understand. And
0: then he sneezes and she says, Bless you. And then they keep going. And the children are so confused. And I love at the end... my. Jane says, well, what else did he say? And Michael goes, I don't think he said anything at all. Like Michael's <laughs> a little sassy there, and I love it. And so that's where we paused the film. Mm-hmm. So we paused there, and then we picked up again today for the recording. And so they head to at Uncle...
1: My favorite scene. It's so good. They I head to Uncle
0: Alberts, who is Edwin, who, who was is the Mad Hatter.
1: I'm going to go ahead, and I'm, I'm I. this is a sudden decision. I haven't talked about this with, with Tara, but I'm hoping she'd agree with me. This is got Edwin uh, T. R. Princess Diaries Hall of Famer.
0: Oh my gosh! Yes, Easily. I mean even even without even just his Mad Hatter performance, but also this. Yes, yes.
1: I think he's an he's an all timer. There's also a, a a line later in the thing where they go. He says, "Mad as a March hare." Yes, I, like, mm, I loved that. Or line. a Mad Hatter.
0: Yeah. Uh, so Bert answers the door as they head to Uncle Albert's. Bert answers, and he's so worried. He's like, well, what about the children? It's contagious. So you're kind of hearing a little bit of laughter, but you don't really know what's wrong with Uncle Albert because the dog has talked to Mary Poppins. Yes. So the kids think they're going to get spots, and they're not really sure, and she's like, oh, it'll be fine. And you walk in, and Albert is up in the ceiling laughing. This could also, I feel like, talking about a ride, like, you could do something that, like changes someone's perception or reality nowadays with technology don't you think i
1: mean i feel you're going through a dark ride and you could even just do like it looks weird because you can't see where they're connected and it's an animatronic yeah and, and the floating. different
0: scenes of the film yeah, yeah there's so many things they could do with this movie
1: but uh, here's the thing that's going to drive you nuts is you know if they do one it's going to be the I, new one which I is love, so annoying but i would love for them to just do both
0: yeah but i doubt they would i think they do one or the other you don't think
1: i don't know I'm not an Imagineer.
0: But but yeah, so he's up on the ceiling laughing and he just says he can't stop. He can't help it. And the kids start laughing. And uh, Bert talks about, or Mary Poppins, one of them say it took three days to get him down the last time. So it's another hint to Mary Poppins is very familiar, not only with Uncle Albert, but with his condition and how Mm -hmm. this has happened before. And so then I Love to Laugh, the song, which is so good, comes in. And I love all the bits in here when Mary's like, some people laugh through their nose sounding something like this. It's like, (laughs) and then through their teeth is like a hiss.
1: I love how put upon she is. So everyone else is laughing and she's just like, she's never laughing. she's, She's not having it. Yeah.
0: And then Bert is like, some laugh too fast. Some only blast. Like he's got a whole bit. And then Twitter
1: like birds. Please tell me you wrote down all the jokes.
0: No. Oh, I wanted joke. to, and I, I couldn't. I can remember some of them. I couldn't rate fast enough. The but, whole
1: deal is Bert starts laughing, and then Jane and Michael start laughing. They float yeah, up Yeah, so the Bert ceiling. goes
0: up next, and yes. the kids start to go up, and Mary Poppins pulls them back down.
1: <laughs> I love their little, I love to laugh. They yes, like their patty cake, patty cake when Bert's up there. It's so good. Yeah,
0: and then the kids go up, and there's one about, Bert tells the joke about the man who works...
1: He goes. My cousin used to work in a, in a watch factory. He goes. What does he do? He goes. oh, He just stands around and makes, makes faces. Faces.
0: That's one of them. Yeah.
1: This is the scene. Um, um, the, the, the the actor who played Michael had a hard time doing the. the I stunt think you did talk yeah. about this
0: at the top. Yeah. And
1: and and it was he had to give him a dime every time. Mm-hmm. So this is the scene where he made the most money.
0: Yeah. And so. Mary says, you know, I will not have my tea time be interrupted. And Albert points down to the oh, table. Oh, I've made a tea. Yeah, he's like, it's here. It's set up. And so then the table goes up with Mary Poppins. So the chairs go up, the table goes up, and Mary Poppins just wills herself up. She doesn't yes. laugh to go up.
1: I know. And I love that. Yeah. She's like, I can just fly, so whatever. Yeah.
0: So they talk about how to get down. And there's more jokes in here. So I do well, apologize I didn't write them all down. You
1: know, one of them. I, I once knew a man with a wooden leg named Smith.
0: Yes. And then what's the name of his other leg? Uh, and that comes so back. Good. That one comes back. That's the most Vaughn villain callback. of all the, because yeah. you need
1: two people to do it, so it feels like a comedy duo mm-hmm. or a joke.
0: And so they talk about how you get down, and how you get down is thinking about something sad, and so they start telling that story. He
1: says, I knew a friend who's, you know, someone came to the door, and she lost her cat, and he said, I'm sorry, I think I've run over your cat, and I really, if I, if, if you'd allow it, I'd like to replace it. She says, that's fine with me, but how are you at catching mice?
0: Yes, and then they all start laughing again. So they get sad, and they're sinking a little bit, and then they start to laugh again.
1: I'd like everyone who listens to this podcast to think that we do it floating at the ceiling every day. Because that's, uh, every time we do it, because that's what it feels like. It does, It's a delightful time.
0: (laughs) And so then Mary Poppins ruins it and says it's time to go. And then everyone's like, oh, that is very sad. And so everybody's going down, and you know... Edwin, uh, Uncle Albert, is like, you know, oh, everyone comes to visit, but then they have to leave. And he's so sad. But the table and chairs don't come down with them. So the table and chairs stay up in the ceiling while they're on the ground. Table and chairs are not there when Bert and Uncle Albert are on the ground, which is funny.
1: You know, he's going to have to lasso them or something, I guess. guess.
0: Uh, So Bert says he'll stay with him. And so then they're crying and then they tell another joke.
1: Um, maybe I did do all the. You jokes. did
0: remember them all, yeah. He,
1: he says uh, his his uncle or his grandfather was having a real hard time sleeping, and he just was chewing on the pillow and just chewed it to bits. Yeah. And then he, when he woke up the next morning, Bert said, "Well, how are you feeling?" He goes, "You know, not great. A little down in the mouth." Yeah, and, and he then, goes nothing like a good joke, Everyone and then goes, and Albert, that was nothing like a good joke. And
0: then they both sob, and like <laughs> his face, Bert's face there is so good.
1: Dick Van Dyke apparently loved Edwin, and that you'll see that in the documentary he does an imitation of him that's real spot on, but also just is like he was such a delightful man. To well, be we with.
0: we talked about while we were watching it that they both had a background in vaudeville a little bit. Well, I don't know that well, Dick Van Dyke well, did because like the mime.
1: I think Dick Van Dyke was born out of time and that he yeah. wanted to... Because he was the one who said, you know, movies are moving towards... He's kind of an old-fashioned guy at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think Ed Wynn was from the era Dick Van Dyke... was from the era Dick Van Dyke kind of wanted, wanted to, to be a part yeah. of. Yeah. And I just for a second got to be... And he just fit right in. They looked like they'd been doing an act together for a while. Yeah. was so good.
0: And so then it cuts to Banks. And he's kind of huffing home. He's like walking really fast. and He's kind of mumbling to himself... And he's late because the Admiral says you're late, Banks, and you're not really, you don't know why he's late, but you realize because of the punctuality with mm-hmm. the Admiral that he's late and he doesn't address the Admiral And the children are waiting for him, and they tell him the wooden leg joke, and he can't be bothered, and he's like, who's Smith? He goes, goes,
1: I know a man with a wooden leg named Smith. Smith, Smith? We don't know any Smith. We don't know a
0: Smith. (laughs) Uh, And so then he asks Mary Poppins to come down, and he wants her there, and Winifred is is trying to leave, and he's like, no, I want you here, too. Like, this is very important. I need to address the household, essentially. And he sings
1: his the life i lead song yeah, again yeah and she
0: was she was heading to a rally and he goes my wish for you is to be present and so he requests the children leave the ser- lead and learn the seriousness of life tradition discipline and rules and that's when he goes into the song and so in the song mary poppins agrees and he talks about you know going on outings and popping through pictures and how they shouldn't be doing all of this nonsense and Mary again, she turns it around, and she's like, "The about they should learn about the life you lead." Mm-hmm. And so she starts singing about the life he leads. They should walk in your footsteps. And so tomorrow, Jane and Michael will be at your side. at She the does.
1: Bank. She does a good job of making her ideas sound like his ideas.
0: Yes, and that was from the moment that he hired. He quote unquote hires mm-hmm. her. She basically hires herself, and so. <laughs> She leaves, and he's like, was that my idea, Winifred? Is is that what (laughs) I... It
1: certainly sounded like it. Yeah,
0: yeah. And so she goes up to the nursery, and she tells them that they need to get sleep because they're going on an outing with their father. And they're so shocked by this going on an outing, and, oh, we're going to go to the city, and he'll point out all the sights. We're so excited. And so then that's when Mary grabs the snow globe, and she says, sometimes people can't see past the end of their noses. And they say, oh, well, Father walks past the cathedral every day. He sees that every day. And she's like, no, but what's at the cathedral? Not necessarily the cathedral itself. And she sings the song, Feed the Birds. And I love that the snow globe, instead of snow, it's floating birds, Mm. which I think is cool. I would love that snow globe. I don't know if it exists in the world, but I'd love to own it. Okay,
1: I'll take note. Um, Do, Okay. Why is feed the birds a thing with us? Were we just singing it around Italy? Like I don't just, know, just, like it just lunatics. I just remember like, at one point, I think we were in like I think a, a it was place before. It wasn't kinda, before Italy. I think it was in Italy. We were. Just, I don't know.
0: We just started to feed the best. I think we were
1: just singing it very like. Ugh. Yeah,
0: and then we one night we could. I had it in my head, and I started singing it right before <laughs> we went to night. bed. And then we just then we like just, couldn't get to sleep. And then we, we were laughing. floating
1: on the ceiling. Yes,
0: basically we were laughing so much.
1: The other thing I want to talk about this song real quick, if it's okay.
0: Yeah, go ahead. I was hoping um, you'd bring this up.
1: So this was apparently Walt Disney's favorite song. And when they were working on this, he would call the Sherman brothers at the end of the day on Friday, like at like five thirty or something, and call go, "Hey, can you come into the, my, my office?" And they'd come in and go, "What? Can you play it real quick?" And they'd play it, and he apparently he would just stare out the window and kind of get lost, and then they'd stop playing, and he'd say, "Be a few moments," and then he then Disney would turn and look at him and goes, "Thanks, guys. thanks, boys. Uh, have a good weekend." It's such
0: a beautiful song. I really love it. It's one of my favorites. One of
1: them played it at his at his funeral or a memorial for him or something and said while he was playing it in Disneyland a bird like flew Ugh. across. They talk about it, but it was just this song. It's it's it, it's an obsession with historians. There's a historian, I God, I forgot his name, but he keeps showing it up in all these documentaries and he's a Disney historian and he was talking about how like just the thought of, like, of all the... He's a happy a happy guy, but, like, there's a depth to Walt Disney that we're missing because that's his favorite songs, and he likes the melancholy, and he mm-hmm. likes just And kind that
0: of, somberness.
1: Um, Yeah, it's a very sweet song. It's a very somber song. I I just...
0: Uh, I love... I, it's one of my favorite songs. Like I said, I can't pick a favorite song, but mm-hmm. I just... I love the melody of it. I love the story of it. And I love how Mary Poppins, again, is kind of teaching them you know, take in your surroundings mm-hmm. and that's something that the father is so focused on walking to work and what he's got to do for the day and, you know, he's not he's not taking in his surroundings at home. Mm-hmm. He's not taking in his surroundings at work. He's there to do a job and he does his job and he comes home and then, you know, at precisely 6.02, he wants his slippers. That's in the song in the beginning and his pipe yes. and his, his meal and all of that stuff.
1: This may not be a conversation you want to have, but here we go. When re-watching this... Having just edited the Sword in the Stone episode. I think this does a much better job of a outside force coming in and teaching a lesson and having there be a better resolve at the end. It's also this a much longer
0: film, so they were That's able to it. do that, right? But
1: it but I also think my bigger thing just going back is Yeah. It was more of a showing you the potential that Wart always had, whereas this one is let's let's there the characters are figuring out yes there's definitely a payoff payoff
0: here and i think we said in the sword and the stone that live action you could do it easily yes uh a little bit easier and this is i think showing how you can do
1: that i think i think that's a good stepping stone to a better movie and i think maybe this was the better movie in a way
0: yeah so uh as she's singing the song jane and michael fall asleep And then the next cut is to them walking to the bank and they spot the bird woman at the cathedral. And they're so shocked because they're like, oh my gosh, she's saying feed the birds. This is what Mary Poppins said. She said she'd be here. And again, the father can't be bothered. And he's like, of course I see her. Like, you think I can't see past the end of my nose? <laughs> Such a jerk. Uh, yeah, he's very curt with them. And so they ask to feed the birds. Michael says, I have my tuppence. You know, can I use it to feed the birds? And he says, don't waste your money. And then he gets so excited here. I'll show you what you can do with it at the bank. Like, he's so excited to show Michael about how it'll sit at the bank and collect interest, essentially, yes. in a bank account.
1: And now we arrive at the Dawes, Tomes, Mousley, Grubbs, Fidelity, Fiduciary Bank. What
0: a <laughs> mouthful. Uh, and so the bank president, uh, who we mentioned is Dick Van Dyke. Uh, Mr.
1: Dawes Sr. Yes.
0: And he's trying, He's you're introduced to him and he's trying to take that step down. It's one step to the, the floor He's coming out of a doorway and he's got a cane and he's, he's like so, so tentative with it. He's like, Oh, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do yeah. it. It's such a good bit. Again, it's a whole physical sequence that Dick Van Dyke does a fantastic job when, with.
1: When he's singing about Give Us Your Tuppence and he's like, When so stands Britain, so stands the Bay. And he's like, and he falls, falls forward, forward and he falls back. When so falls. Yeah, and it's he falls back. Such backwards a good scene. All of his him. dudes catching him. Yes. Like, they're great.
0: And so he starts singing the song about the Tuppence and it kind of is really intense for the kids because you have all of these like adults all much taller than them and intensely talking about uh, you know what you can do with your money and all of these things and and how great it is and they close in on them until they hit the back of the wall well, they keep walking towards them and Michael and Jane keep stepping back until they hit the wall
1: well and it kind of helps you understand George because they talk about your father used to work at this bank so he probably went through the same thing with a yeah. different set of old men and like it's very intimidating as you know there's there's definitely a force there that's like saying this is what you do with your money which yeah. is just they want the money It's and, it's,
0: and michael's opening his hand slightly like he's trying to make a decision and he's opening his hand but he doesn't open it and offer it he opens his hand just enough that the bank president snatches the tuppence out of his hand and then that sets Michael off and he starts screaming you took my money I want my money back you won't give it back and then that causes a run on the bank everyone at the bank hears that the bank's not giving someone their money and then everyone (laughs) wants to withdraw their money and then they just close the bank and they're like no more transactions for today And so Jane and Michael run away. Which I was
1: like, it's BS that they can just do that. Just say, nope, not today. We're done for
0: today. So Jane and Michael run away, and you make a point that usually Jane seems (laughs) to be the one in charge. Oh, yeah. But Michael, I'm going to get to the thing you're laughing about. (laughs) Michael, but Michael is kind of like, come this way. And Michael's really caring for Jane here and being protective of Jane. And it happens later when they run into Bert. But they're in the alleys, and then there's this old lady. Come with me, dearie. Granny will hide you. Yes, Granny will hide you. And that was Tara. Yes, that would be my cosplay.
1: Now, now. It wouldn't surprise me if another actress from the movie double like, did that if we found out it was the mother or something or like someone in, else. Kind of yeah. in a similar Dick Van Dyke situation or Julie Andrews for. I don't
0: I don't think it was. I think she would have said if but it. but I feel like
1: it was the mom or the or or Ellen or something. Yeah.
0: So then we see a dog barking at them, and then they bump into Bert, and Bert has soot on his face. and so they don't recognize him at first. And Michael gets very protective of Jane and he's like, "Leave my sister alone. And then they realize it's Bert. And so he starts talking about how now he's a chimney sweep. And, you know, that's kind of what he's doing for the day. And the kids talk about being sad and, you know, they don't understand. And Mm -hmm. father sent the police after us and all these things. And Bert, I really love it here because he tries to show them from their father's point of view. He tries to get them to empathize with their father, which is, I think, something as a child. You learn to do that over time, depending on the influences in your life. But it's not something as a child you're not thinking about others, at, right? Like it's just yeah. not.
1: Well, I think we talked about how on this watch through we both kind of empathized more with Mister Banks. Or yeah. Saw his, you know, I think I empathized with him always after his turn, but I think this helped us understand like what he's going through. And yeah. I like the explanation of the children, like you have Mary Poppins and your mother and all these people take care of you. He doesn't have yeah, anybody who
0: takes care of your dad. He takes care of other people. Yeah. yeah. He's like, you know, your dad. Think of how sad he might be. Like there's no one to look after him, and so he kind of shows it from from a different perspective. And I think the children start to maybe understand why their father is the way he is a little bit more. And so Bert offers to take them home. So he walks them home, and that's where they do that kind of hitch kick, kind of skip, scoop step. kick. I think scoop they call kick. it. Scoop? And so then uh, you hear "Chim Chim Cheree." He starts singing it on the way home. And then you're cutting to the house, and they're opening the door, and Ellen. Wait,
1: wait, wait, wait. You forgot the tuba solo.
0: Oh yes.
1: There's this well, um, the
0: tuba plays throughout Chim Chim Cheree. But
1: he gets real, or or she gets very loud at one point, yeah. and it was just like I was like, brruh, 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 brruh. and I was like, hey, what? yeah, I was, like it's we found really it.
0: Uh, but then Ellen is helping the mother get ready for her rally, and so Bert, they ring the doorbell. They open the door, they see Bert, and in all intents and purposes, Bert is a stranger. I guess maybe the mother recognizes him. I think that's and the part ma-
1: of And then maybe
0: the mother recognizes him because he does odd jobs all throughout.
1: No, I think she goes, you, you, she seems like she doesn't know him.
0: Yeah, and she's like, well, you'll take, she turns to Ellen, and Ellen's like, I can't watch him. I haven't done Absolutely the brasses, not. I think is what she says. Um, I guess polishing things, and then it's baking day for Cook, and you know how she gets... And so that's when the mother's like, oh, well, you take care of them. And Bert seems real nervous to do it. He's like, oh, I don't know. And the governor or the mayor, I think he says the mayor, needs his chimney done and he's not going to be happy. And she's like, that'll be fine. You can look after them. And so Bert then teaches them about the chimney sweep world. They're Mm -hmm. putting down all of the covers on the furniture so they can look up into the chimney and clean the chimney. Because that's the other thing the mother says. Oh, our chimney in the drawing room.
1: Is a mess. Yeah, you can
0: do this while you're watching the children, basically. So then Mary Poppins comes in and says to Michael to be careful because he's holding the chimney and Bert showing him how strong the wind can pull the chimney sweep. And then all of a sudden he gets sucked up the chimney Whoop. and she says, "Oh bother." She's
1: yeah.
0: Like, and then uh, Bert starts talking to her and then Jane gets sucked up the chimney and then she's like, "Oh fine." And so then they all go up. And then they explore the rooftops and uh, this is where we really again we see the, the landscape of London and they're all walking on the chimney tops and Michael goes into one of the chimneys and says hello there and all the soot comes out into his face
1: it's just nice, good soot or something like yeah, that. And something I'm like, no, that he needs to see a doctor immediately.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, it's this, again, it's a whole other sequence that you really have to watch. But as they get to the last rooftop, it's kind of a dead end. There's nowhere else to go. And the smoke from the chimney, she blows the smoke and it goes into steps. And then they walk up the steps to go higher. And uh, they see the beautiful view and they talk about that. And then to go back down, they use the smoke almost like an elevator. And mm-hmm. it lowers them down. Uh, and then Chim Chim Cherie is reprised here. And then we go into the step-in-time dance sequence. And again, I've wrote a couple things down, but not You much just need to watch because it. Because you need to watch it. It is amazing. And this is where I kept saying, I cannot believe this is the first time Dick Van Dyke has ever danced. And
1: that's what they talk about in the and documentary. It's wild. They talk about how he does like a... Long slide and then a roll into a a jump, a backwards roll to a jump jump up, and then into the dance. And they're like, he took to it like, yeah, very easily. And
0: also, Mary Poppins, Julie Andrews is three. She gave birth three months prior to this, so that's another thing. Like just thinking about all of the physicality and the different dance sequences that she's doing too, I Mm -hmm. think is crazy. And uh, then when she spins, I love that whole bit. That's towards the end. She does like one pirouette in the air, and all the chimney sweeps copier and that's the whole thing through step in time bert will say something the chimney sweeps will copy it and they'll they'll you know they'll cluck like a bird they'll they'll, you know do all Mm -hmm. these different things and so she keeps spinning in the pirouettes and then finally she spins so many times her head just keeps whipping around uh and then they beg her to do more oh my god i couldn't possibly no
1: no no she sends them away like like, they, they, they do a move where they all come up and she goes No. And they all like fall back. And it is probably my favorite little two seconds of that, that whole thing. And then
0: the Admiral during all of this spots everybody dancing and he fills the cannons with fireworks (laughs) and he shoots at the chimney sweeps. And so the fireworks are going everywhere. And at one point, Bert like hits one like a baseball and the Admiral's like, oh, good show, good show. And then realizes it's coming his way because he's hit it back to him.
1: Uh, I love Admiral boom.
0: Yeah. So all the chimney sweeps hop into the chimney, which is Jane and Michael's house And they're all in there and they're still dancing. And then they're dancing with Ellen and the cook. And like, they're kind of just marching all around the house.
1: It's the master.
0: Yes. And first it's like votes for women because she comes home and, and then it's, uh, I
1: love that. She just like is confused with it for like a moment. And and then then
0: they say votes for women. And she's like, yes, votes for women. And (laughs) then she's into it. And then George comes home. His mouth is agape and that's, it's the master. And then it's, it's what's all this. Yeah. What's all this. Uh, and then they all leave. So they all. Mary Poppins looks at Bert and is like, "Okay, that's enough." Like gives them, them a matter. look, and then they all get out of there. And so Bert kind of stays behind, but everybody else leaves.
1: They all shake his hand, and then Jane and Michael, are like, "You're going to be the luckiest man in all of yeah, London." Yeah,
0: because Bert tells them it's a lu- it's lucky to get a handshake, mm-hmm. uh, or when you blow a kiss, uh, that's lucky too. And so Banks gets a call to come to the bank tonight. So he's got to go back to the bank.
1: And I love the bit where Dick Van Dyke is feeding lines to his Dawes senior, is feeding lines to Dawes junior. Yes, yeah. The bank
0: president and his Mm -hmm. son. Yeah, the bank president is basically telling his son what to say on the phone. And so the actor who plays the father here, I empathize with him so much because he's so defeated. He's so defeated here and he walks to the to the fireplace where Bert is cleaning up and he's like, you know, you have dreams of walking with giants is one of the phrases he says and just talks about, you know, like all the things you want to accomplish. And he's just so defeated here and he's talking to Bert and he winds up blaming Mary Poppins at first. And he says, you know, it's that Poppins woman like it wasn't until she came into my life that everything kind of went crazy and became chaotic And then Bert sings about Mary Poppins and he matches, he matches George. He meets George where he's at and George is very upset and angry and he matches that and he empathizes with George. But then he turns it around, you know, saying that, oh, of course you don't have time to care for the kids. You're busy. You're working hard. You're doing all of these things. And he kind of shows him that he's neglected his family. He in turn shows him, um... And I just think it's a really interesting way that they go about doing that.
1: I totally agree with you. Um, I like that Bert becomes kind of the the voice of reason.
0: Matching where someone's at, like I'm talking about, he matches George's feelings and then he alters it. That's a music therapy principle called ISO principle. Mm. And so essentially what you do as a music therapist, it's a technique where you're matching the mood of a client and you gradually alter it to affect the desired mood state. And that's what it reminded me of. He very much... Um, got on George's level, met George where he was at, and then tried to show him, well, it wasn't really Mary Poppins, and this is kind of really what's going on, and I just, it was similar, so I found that interesting. The children come down, Bert leaves, he says goodbye, and the children come and they apologize, and they, because they overhear the phone call, has got go back his, to the bank. Yeah, Michael Mike, gives
1: him his tuppence. Michael gives him
0: his tuppence, and then Jane says, will that make everything alright, and I think George at this point... He's starting to see yeah. what Bert was talking about here, and so it's such a somber walk to the bank. Every oh, well, I was gonna
1: say I like that it's not a quick turn for him. No, you see it's a him realization, it yeah,
0: of him realizing it, and I think he's also realizing it on the walk because every time we've seen him walking, he's very much, um, very much like I'm on a mission. This is I'm headed home. I'm headed to work. Very, um, you know, like has a goal in mind, and this is somber. He's taking his time. He's moseying more. Uh, And he walks up to the empty steps at the cathedral. The bird woman is not there, but he's, you know, he's, he's stopping on that. He's thinking about that. And uh, then he goes to the bank and somebody greets him as he's walking to the bank and marches in front of him.
1: I, I just think this is like, this is my worst nightmare if I ever get like, I, I have that fear, like, all the time in every job I've ever been in, all the way from CeCe's Pizza to today. Where somebody's been, escorting him in? I'm going to get fired. No, I'm just going to get fired. And that's, like, my worst nightmare. Yeah. Of, like, getting fired. So, the
0: first one's escorting him in, and then somebody comes up from behind him. So, now he's got somebody in front of yeah. him and somebody behind him, which is very, like, claustrophobic. Wearing, like,
1: top hats and, like, yeah. tails. and it's, it's
0: yeah. And so he then knocks on the door and enters this room with this long table and all of the oh, that shot. partners yeah are sitting around the table and it's, it's so the, intimidating. Well the
1: whole it's a very small f- bit of a- what you're actually seeing in the middle and it's like a red background with them yeah, and, and the dark red table. background of the chairs and too. then it's black the rest mm-hmm. of the scene is black so it's just like laser focused yeah, on what so it wants imposing. you to look at.
0: And uh, they basically say how you know there hasn't been a run on the bank since the Tea Party when they loaned mm. um, somebody the money for the tea that went over to America. And he
1: goes, they're asking him what happened. He goes, it f- all the tea fell in all the all the leaves fell in the the water, making terrible tea even for Americans, and which I, like we both sm- thought was a pretty like good a little, joke. And then
0: does a smirk there, uh, and so then. They're just talking to him how there wasn't that didn't happen until today. There was another run on the bank, and it was because of your children. And at first, he starts to apologize, George does. And then they say, Well, now you have to do it. Like, this is what's next. And it's this whole, for lack of a better word, I guess, ceremony. To where they rip the carnation in his lapel and they rip the carnation and they pop his umbrella inside out. And one of the partners is like, no, don't do that. Like, that that, <laughs> like that's the worst thing that could happen. But
1: I, I think that's the point is like, to them, this is the worst thing that could happen. And yeah. it's kind of silly, but degrading. also... I,
0: I guess it's degrading and embarrassing. But
1: who cares? Like, and that's the but point. But I'm is saying there... to their, yeah, yeah. their
0: point of view. But Agreed. yes, who cares at the that's end That's what of
1: we're it? learning about these people is they've got the wrong priorities. Yeah. It's things that don't matter. And then
0: they punch a hole in his hat so then he's got like the flap up at the top of his hat
1: he looks like a a hobo
0: yeah and then they say do you have anything to say and he goes to say something and then george he reaches into his pocket and he has the tuppence that michael gave him Mm -hmm. and then he starts saying supercalifragilisticexpialidocious and he starts laughing and he's so like pleased with himself and so delightful and it's like a light bulb clicks for him yes exactly he finally gets all of the whimsy, all of the like whimsical, the magical thinking, the imagination that Mary Poppins has brought into the world, the lightheartedness into their world, and it kind of all like clicks for him at once. And all of the partners just think he's actually gone mad.
1: He goes to give Dawes Senior the Tuppins, and the other ones like, "Do not strike my yeah, father!" Like they think gonna he's going to hit him. him. Yeah. And
0: then he tells the joke about the wooden leg named Smith, and none of them really get it at this point. Yes. Um, and he says. I love what he says here. He says, two wonderful people on the street, Jane and Michael. And Jane says to Michael. And what I love about that is that was the first nice thing he says about his children in this whole movie. Because remember when they're writing the advertisement and he's saying that's debatable. Like, that's the first time he recognizes, like, his children are really wonderful. Like, they told him a funny joke. I just love the way he tells that joke.
1: I love... That he also says, when they said that word doesn't exist, he's like, it actually turns out that you don't exist or something like that. Yeah,
0: Jen. it's so great. And um <laughs> and he dances out and that's when they say. The medicine as as go down. Yeah, medicine go down. He <laughs> sings it up instead of it's down. So and he does like the heel click where he yes. jumps and With and his,
1: with his <laughs> dumb umbrella.
0: Yeah. And on the way out, that's when they're like, he's as mad as my chair.
1: At which point. Dawes Senior starts going,
0: starts finally getting the joke. A
1: wooden leg named Smith, and he starts wooden to get leg it, named Smith. and then he starts to fly, and the sons like, "Father, no!" And, he and they're starts all like laughing, and for he's him. up
0: like he's floating, and then it cuts to the wind changing. So now it's mm-hmm. the next morning. The wind is changing, and the admiral lets us know that the wind is changing. And Mary Poppins is packing, and the kids are so sad. The kids are crying, and Jane's like, "Well, she said she'd go when the wind changed," and so everybody, you know, they're very upset. And we go downstairs and the constable is on the phone to, I forget, whoever is. Probably the station. Yeah. yeah. And we find out that George never came home. We find out he's, well, we yeah. find out where he was. But for all intents and purposes right now, they think something has happened to him. He's not come home. He's disappeared. And then Ellen says, drag the river. You know, it's a popular spot with jumpers. <laughs> like, Such oh a my dark God. line. And then George is singing and he comes through this door and... And you realize he's been in the cellar all mm-hmm. night. And so Winifred says, oh, George, I'm so glad you didn't jump in the river. And she says, what have you been doing in the cellar? And you see he's mended the kite well, for the children.
1: Meanwhile, well, did they show it then? But they, showed, they may have not shown it then. This is when Mary Poppins is gathering her things. The wind has changed. She promised she'd leave when the wind changed. Yeah. And she's starting to go, and they're getting very sad. And then she sends them to go see their father because he's calling for them. And I like that this is the last interaction they have. Like, they yeah. forget about Mary Poppins mm-hmm. in
0: a way. Because they go down and they see he's mended the kite. And they're so excited that and he's I'm, mended the kite. I'm
1: wondering if that's part of the mythology. Is that's why not everybody remembers him. Because these families, like, they remember them coming together. And they don't maybe necessarily remember Mary Poppins. They just remember things were bad and now they're great. Yeah. and just I don't know. Yeah,
0: no, I think that's a great way to look at it. And so then it's, let's go fly a kite. And he sings about with tuppence for paper and strings. And what I love about that is... He, even though he gives Michael's tuppence to the bank, he gives it, I like the idea that he's like, you could use your tuppence to buy paper and string Mm -hmm. and now we have this kite. Like, I just love that idea. Like, that's another way you can spend your tuppence. And so he sings about that and Mary looks out at the window. So she's looking out at the window and watching them and it's the family. It's just the parents with the kids holding hands, skipping to go to the park to fly the kite. And so you kind of see the family going on and everyone's out there flying kites. And at first I was like, why is everyone flying kites? But the wind has changed. So right. it's actually a really good course, day to fly a kite.
1: Bert has taken um, this opportunity to become yes. a kite seller. Yeah, so
0: he's selling kites and he's singing in the song. And so then you see all the, the partners at the bank are there flying kites, which is so funny. And they talk to Banks about the joke and the father loved the joke, but he died laughing. And George apologizes and he's like I'm so sorry and they're like well there's an opening for a new partner and they give him a fresh carnation to put in his lapel and so he's like oh my gosh thank you so much and so you know that's kind of where it ends for the family and it cuts back to Mary Poppins on the steps of the house and the bird handle this is the first and only time the bird handle talks on her umbrella And it talks to her and he's like, they didn't even say goodbye.
1: It's got such an enchanted tiki room look to it. Yes.
0: And it's like, they didn't say goodbye and they're not grateful and like all of these things. And finally, she's just like, well, that's the point. Like, I can't have these emotions. Mm. Like, I have to be, you know, this is how I have to be. And this is how it should be for them. They shouldn't have come back to me. And so she just closes the bird's mouth. She's like, that's enough. And just closes its mouth. <laughs> well, it's
1: funny because I was looking at that as she must have been scared because she then thumps it. And I'm yeah. like, what if she broke that? I would be so nervous to do all yeah. that stuff.
0: And then she flies away. She floats away and she gives a nod to Bert. Bert sees her go. So Bert like recognizes that she's gone until the next time the wind changes. Uh, And then the other thing, that's kind of how it ends, but the other thing we loved is in the credits, the last person to appear in the credits is Mr. Dodd Sr., the bank president, and the name is scrambled, and they unscramble it to reveal it's Dick Van Dyke. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was a really cool way to give a nod to people who, because I'm sure when you watched it, you didn't realize it was Dick Van Dyke. I know I didn't for a really long time. Um, But that's how it ends. I think, I love the way it ends. I do too. Yeah.
1: Um, You ready for the questions? Yeah. How was The Princess... Mary Poppins, of course.
0: Fantastic. I loved her.
1: Top tier. Yeah. Every just Practically perfect in every way. In every way, way yeah. Um, how was the prince, which to me, I'd say the prince was Jane and Michael.
0: Jane and Michael, you think?
1: Yeah. Well, because it's the people, to me, it's the prince and princess. the people who have the, the, the tightest relationship and maybe their relationship well, is I the would, crux of the story. I guess
0: I could argue her and Bert have a very tight relationship, too. Yeah,
1: but I see, I'd your see point. Bert's more of a sidekick, mm. but... But I, no, so, Jane
0: and Michael, I really liked Jane and Michael. Yeah. I, I didn't really have any issues with them. I thought, I thought they did a good job of being like a lot of their mischief. Like you find out in the beginning, they like put Toad in like Katie Nana's tea or something like that. And a lot of their mischief was because they weren't happy. They were, were they, acting
1: out. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and so, um, I I think they did a good job of balancing that.
1: Um, I liked it all except for B- Michael's busted tooth. Well, uh, uh,
0: Jane has a little th- bit of there a busted are, tooth, too.
1: The teeth in this whole thing were pretty, were a little rough. Um, how was the sidekick? So, sidekicks, I'd say definitely Bert.
0: Bert, amazing.
1: And I'd also like to talk a little bit about Mr. Banks. I think we've done all this. Like, I know we're kind of retreading ground we talked yeah. about because we really like these characters. But I think Mr. Banks, again, was such a good performance that kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. a
0: storyline.
1: Same with Mrs. Banks.
0: Yeah, and, and Uncle Alfred. He's in it very... Short, but I think he plays a role in there, too, as a sidekick.
1: Uh, does it hold up female character agency? I think this is a very strong female role where she's she's a nanny, but she's also in a position. She's not a princess. She's not all these traditional but she, roles.
0: She, she very much, she has her way of doing things, mm-hmm. and she never strays from that. And I would also say for the mother, we talked about earlier how the mother, it's very much early 1900s, what a mother should be. But then there's this other side of this independence of the mother and having the women voting for women's rights and wanting to fight for that. And I find that really intriguing that they included that.
1: I would like to put forward an argument that a woman who carries on a traditional, a character who's a woman who carries on a traditional mother role, but also fights for women's rights is more progressive than someone who's just like, to me, it's a more progressive idea than just like, I don't want to be a mother and I don't want to do this. And I yeah. I'm, I'm, like, that seems like a, almost a, uh, a, 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 a very myopic look at what a feminist could be. And I think this is a more open-minded. Question. Yeah. So now, I, it's played a little for comedy, but it's still very good for yeah. 1964 for God's sake. And
0: I love that they did that. Yeah. I love that they included that, but I think Mary Poppins is a very strong female character.
1: Drinking, smoking.
0: There's So I don't know that we ever see the father smoke the pipe. He's but he constantly the packing the He's pipe. constantly packing the pipe in the beginning of the film. And they warn you about tobacco yeah. uh, before you start the film. If
1: we're talking about having a kid just sit down and watch this, let's just be honest. I don't see any reason why you can't just play this for your kids. No,
0: it's a long movie. So I, that might be the issue is attention span wise. But yes. you could always stop it like we did and then start it back up
1: again. I will also say if you're not giving this to a white child, they're not going to see... A lot of people that look like them, yeah. Because again, again, it's England. It's, it's England. I and... believe there was a. I I would like to say that England, even at that time, was probably more multicultural than we're portrayed to see. But it is what it is. Yeah. All right, guys. So we are gonna now do our uh, infallible scientific Vill- villain ranking, uh, and the villain for this time we took a little bit of thinking on this one, but it's got to be Mister Dawes, Mister Dawes. Sr. Yeah,
0: I would think so.
1: Um. So let's 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 do this. Uh. Frightening.
0: So I would say from Jane and Michael's point of view, I would say he's between a three and a four for me.
1: Oh, I only put two, but I would, I can see I'll where go you're with going. i a three. You can go, I'm sorry. No, I, I, don't I, wanna... I think
0: a four might be too much, but it is, he's very intimidating and he leads the charges. Everyone is like closing in on them at the bank. I, so I think he's very imposing to them because I think that's kind of how we're looking at him as a villain is more towards them, right?
1: Yes. Um, funny. I'm going to give him a four.
0: Yeah, I think he was very slapstick funny.
1: Yes, because I think it's more of his portrayal is funny. I don't think the villain himself is trying to be funny. Like, yeah, but, but it's, it's it's a lot
0: of funny comical bits. Agreed. So I'll give him a four as well.
1: Fierce? No, he no. Gets a one. <laughs> I here. mean
0: fierce in the sense of that's Dick Van Dyke under there, but I can't give him that for the character. Yeah, no, yeah.
1: No. Effective. I I'd give him a two. Yeah, I don't think because he does. he's not he tries effective. To take he the doesn't tuppence, get the he do- tuppence. And I mean, he does, but it's given to him. Yeah,
0: and then there is a run on the bank, which is what they never want to happen. That's like their biggest nightmare, right? So I, did,
1: I give him a two because I think he's a, a, a he's got a bank. Like he wants to be a banker, but I think he's kind of got a redemption I don't think arc as well. It's your call. Whatever you want. to I'm
0: gonna put. give him a one. I All don't right. think he's effective at at what he did, which was that whole song is to get them to open a bank account. They didn't do that, mm. so I'm gonna give him one.
1: Uh. Design.
0: Design I really like a lot. I'm going to give him a four on design because also you don't know that's Dick Van Dyke.
1: I think that's a good point. I think it's really
0: cool that it's Dick Van Dyke. I love the story behind it that he really wanted to play him. But you as the viewer, the first time you watch that, you don't go, oh, that's Dick Van Dyke. That's usually a fact you tell someone to be like, oh, did you know? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because most people don't the first time they see it.
1: Go away, Heat. I'm going to give him a two. And part of it is because when I was a kid, he was kind of scary. Yeah,
0: I'll give him a two. For me, the dad was, I had a lot of go away heat as a child because yeah. he was mean. But I was so, I so connected with the father this watch through. And I've watched it as an adult, but I don't know that I've watched it start to finish as an adult in a while. And I really connect it. not that we're talking about him, but mm-hmm. yeah.
1: What's your yes factor on this one?
0: Again, it's a yes factor because it's Dick Van Dyke. But if I'm going from the character itself.
1: I think I'm going to give him a two. A two.
0: Uh, And again, I think it should be a one. But I think I'm giving him a two because I love that it's Dick Van Dyke. I feel like this is the first
1: time we've had the same ranking for Go Away Heat and yes factor. Yeah. So, guys, we're going to tally this up and we'll be right back. All right, guys. Uh, So we are back. We have done the tallying and Mr. Dawes Sr. is tied for 12th
0: really with
1: the buoys from melody time
0: (laughs) that's appropriate i'm shocked that he's as high up as he is
1: he got a 17 and i think part of that was because of how funny he was and that we liked his design as a character Mm -hmm. um and i think the fact that he had a little go away heat and a little bit of you know yeah so interesting yeah so uh final question as always and i can't imagine we're going to disagree on this, but we're definitely throwing it in the vault for no one to ever see again, correct? Uh, I make this joke not. every time like it's funny.
0: Absolutely not. It will be going on our shelf. I could have sworn we owned it already, but I don't think we do, so I, it's on my Amazon shopping list.
1: I know you own the pop vinyl, so.
0: I do. She's downstairs. Yep. I should take a picture of my Disney pop vinyls, because I have a couple. I've got Maleficent. I've got her. I've got Ursula. I might have one or two more.
1: Oh, you have joy. I have joy. Well, that's Joy. Pixar, but...
0: Joy always falls down, so I never know where joy is because yes. she doesn't. She's not super steady because she's got those tiny feet. But... I
1: think there's something to be said about that. That feels like a like a metaphor. <laughs> um, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, and next time we'll be back with the Jungle Book.
0: Yeah. So uh, until next time, listeners.
1: Thanks for listening to Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. If you want to tell us your favorite Disney villain and why it's guest on, send us an email at trprincessdiaries at gmail.com.
0: Or you can send a tweet about how great Maleficent is, too, at trpdiaries.
1: Check out our Facebook group by searching for Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries.
0: Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify,
1: Overcast, and many more. Wherever you hear us, please be our knight in shining armor and give us a five-star review.
0: Thanks again, and until next time, remember to always live happily ever after.